On the floor, and we're gonna bring you back a victory to Jackson. Yeah. Not the yard. What? What you say, not Chuck? <laughs> hey, you a plum fool, man. <laughs> it never gets old. I never. love it, man. I laugh every time you play it. <laughs> never, ever will it get old. What do you say, that Chuck? What do you say, that Chuck? <laughs> Chuck, you a plum, you a plum fool. fool. Hey, plum fool. That that's we. That, I, that's another shirt idea. Fam, you buy forty, and on the back we just put Chuck. You a plum fool. That's all we just gonna put on it. Uh, welcome to the ONG Strike Zone on another Wednesday night. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Marcus Green. We are uh, blessed to be with you uh, for another show as we talk all things Florida A and M athletics and culture um, right here on the Black College Sports Network. want to thank everybody for jumping in early and because we got a loaded show for you tonight. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people got some things they want to say and get off their chest. So, we, you know, that's what we got the, the good old chat rooms for on uh, Facebook and YouTube. So we want to encourage you to, you know, chat away who knows maybe we'll give out a link maybe we'll give a chance for people to call in we can actually uh hear from rattler nation uh because i know you haven't had anywhere to really just vent that's all right that's what we're here for hey and you never know who's watching you know you 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 might get a response from a coach or two (laughs) but you know uh that'd be an improvement you know, we have people who, you know, that'd be an improvement considering all things considered. But uh, that's right. Uh, make sure you're following at ONG Strike Zone on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you can That's where you can find us. So let me set the lineup for tonight's show. Uh, obviously, we'll get into the hot topic right from the jump. You know, we won't, we won't even mess around. But we're going to do a pivot in the bottom of the first hour, get into a little Rattler Roundup. Because there's a lot of other sports. This is, I love the month of October. So we got a lot of other sports and things happening. Uh, We're going to have a conversation with uh, a couple of young Rattlers that are part of the FAMU Strikers Soccer Club. That's right. FAMU has a soccer club, just in case you didn't know. And so their season is about to kick off. Uh, Pretty interesting. Get a chance to talk to them and find out uh, what, what club life, uh, for a <laughs> athlete is like in 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 that respect, uh, and then we'll get into talking about the men and women basketball team who had their media days yet today and yesterday. We'll also talk about volleyball, and then coming up in hour two, a good friend of the Black College Sports Network, Carlos Brown. Of course, he of the Carlos Brown Show. Uh, Carlos is a Southern guy, and we had Carlos on last year. Great opportunity to uh, sort of cross 
cross promote the mingling of the streams as they might say it uh so carlos is gonna come in he's gonna give us the skinny on southern you know and, and give us some behind the scenes thoughts on what's out there and then we'll get into the last half hour of the show and really kind of break down this contest i did some number number diving and some crunching so we're gonna put the tail of the tape up because this is a matchup one versus two or preseason one versus two right everybody Everybody had, you know, Southern, well, I can't say everybody, but a lot of people have FAMU in the East, Southern in the West. So uh, that's what's on our mind. Uh, but before we get going, let me find out how our guys are doing. Kelvin, how you doing tonight? Kelvin, I, how you doing? Man, man, man. Hold on. <laughs> a, little, a little more. I'm a little, I'm a little more concerned than. I'm concerned about that internet connection. What? <laughs> what? I can't. I, start that over again, Kelvin. You what now? You, I don't heard was concerned, yeah. and then you know you started getting sniped. <laughs> All right, I don't know I, what happened. I'm a little more concerned than I I, I I would normally be right now because because of you know some things you know and some comments and and you know I, I just hope we focus this week. All right, I'm going to be quiet for a second. We'll Marcus, how it. you doing tonight? We'll get into it. Marcus, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. You know, had a good week so far. Uh, everything's going well. You know, after, uh, you know, venting and ranting Saturday night, you know, after that was over, I was good. Yeah. I, let me let me say this, and I, I get a chance. Can I, if, if I may, normally I like to let y'all start, but if I can, if y'all would, grant me the opportunity to start a little because I did not get a chance to see the game live. I missed out on the live frustration that you guys <laughs> I, I really did. I missed it's out. overrated. The live frustration. Right. Right. Live frustration. Overrated. Hashtag overrated. Um, so I missed out on it. I missed out on uh, you know, the chance to fire off tweets to people who were at probably people who were in a, in a game but couldn't really see the tweet live and anybody and everybody who would listen i the, you know the echo chamber that is twitter slash x um i i was i wasn't able to see it until what maybe about 11 30 somewhere on the road in jacksonville as i was coming back from my game i'm broadcasting um but you know the one thing i will say is that broadcast was hard as hell to watch I'm not gonna lie. I mean, hard and rock. That I felt like I was watching a high what do you school. Mean, but we, I ah, uh, let's not. I, I was, I you know, that's a young, young student. Hopefully, mm, trying to make his way. He's trying to make his way. I, you know, I've, I've heard them do better. Man, basketball. come on, man, y'all. Hey, man, we keep it real on the ONG, man. I'm sorry, right. student or not. All right, look, look. Not bad. Let's just and let's, he was holding it down by himself. Exactly. Because he didn't have a he was play by play, play by play and color. So yeah, it was a little Hey a little, man. Um, I remember the scene. Oh, they they eating popcorn. They must have popcorn for the game. <laughs> the same, man, the same, man, the same. I ain't letting nothing joke off. About that. Hey, first off, when I had to deal, I, when my I boys had at Bama. Lord have mercy. Look, what I what I realized was 
Kelvin, you wrong. Um, that was a bring your own juice game because there was absolutely no energy in that. Uh, well, is that do we call it a stadium? What do we call that? Yeah, um, it's a stadium. All right, it was, it's a stadium. It was but, a um, but it, there sparsely school, attended stadium, but there are high school stadiums across the south that have better atmospheres than what I got from that game. Now, again, I'm I'm watching from and listening to the back. There was no energy, nothing. So, you know, it, it may be overhyped when you talk about, when you hear coach talk about the long ride to Itabina and all this other stuff. And I was just thinking as I'm watching this game and I'm watching and I'm just like, Man, the energy in that place was rough. It was like our first home game. That's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of our first home game. It lacked energy. So was I surprised when I think back on it of how we started that game? Absolutely not. I wasn't surprised. Now, this is what I I will say this to. The defense continued to play lights out. I mean... I don't what did what was what was Mississippi Valley State's total yardage in that game? Was it under a hundred? Did they get over hundred and fifty? Maybe. I don't they had, think so. They I had one like hundred and forty seven, right? Somewhere right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like one big play. And really they probably could have had more. I mean, they just really were flying around and knocking heads off. And I mean, it, it, it looked like our defense was playing somebody's uh JV, like college JV team. Right. And so then I went over to the offensive side and I, because all I heard was how bad QB one was and all these other things. Right. I, I heard all that. So I'm watching to kind of see how bad he is. And, you know, the one thing that came to mind is I'm watching and I want y'all to tell me what if I'm seeing what I'm seeing is if I counted the number of times that he did not look at the underneath route or the guy that was the check down, it was almost like he was, watch me here, coached to hit the deep pass. Like, I'm going to throw the deep ball regardless. I don't give a damn. I'm throwing the deep ball because I don't expect these guys to be able to hang with us. And there were passes that I was like, why are we throwing that pass? Why not the guy in the in the look at the guy in the flat? I paused it a couple of times and I kind of scratched my head. And then I go to the play calling. First six, seven plays were pass, 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 pass. The one big run by Jennings was pretty nice, but it almost looked like we didn't want to sh- I hey, follow me. It looked like we were shading to not show Southern anything. Like if any we've been working on something, we were like, nah, we're not gonna show anything this game. We just going to kind of be real vanilla. And I just watched that and I just was really, I get the people's frustration with the quarterback play, but the play calling was, was rough. It was head scratching. But then again, I kept wondering and asking, and nobody has asked this question, like how come quarterback didn't throw and hit the guy underneath. I mean, I know he's seeing the guy down 10, 15 yards. And I heard coach say today, 220 quarterback club, that, you know, a lot of receivers didn't do what they were supposed to do with the routes and everything. But I kept saying, 
but the guy underneath is wide open. The guy in the flats wide open. There's a, you know, and now granted, every receiver seemed to be running 10 yard routes. I don't give a damn. You know, it's like, hey, we're just going to run 10 yards, 15 yards down the field. Nobody's going to ever turn around. But the guy in the flat was open. The guy in the flat was open practically every play. And I'm thinking, if we got all these weapons that we have, why, why aren't we hitting that guy? So that was just my impressions of the first half. You know, definitely we should have ran the ball a little more. But I don't know. Kelvin, you're a coach. You explain it to me. What did I see? And, you know, I, I know, you know, a lot of people are critical, but that was just my observation of what I saw. Kelvin, what did you see? Tell me what, what I saw. You almost traumatized me again, um, Brian. <laughs> I had to take a deep breath while I, I spoke. Thank you. What I will say is we talked about this team reaching its full potential, particularly offensively. Everybody knew it would come down to play calling and quarterback play. And that's what it's that's what that's what we are. The frustration comes with the inconsistency. There's an inconsistency, as you pointed out, with the play calling it, and therefore there's an inconsistent uh inconsistency with uh the execution of the passing game. Now, what we don't talk about enough is I think we we getting what we got. We understand we got a body of work. We got about 20, almost 20 games with this guy with, with, with the same QB. What we don't talk about is why we ain't doing more to establish the run. Because one of the keys to helping him was to you know have a more potent running game. That's why he brought in all these transfers on the line, the field league. You brought in transfers on the line to go with the, what you already had you brought in transfers in the backfield and you've got different kind of backs you know so I, I did see one play where they ran a uh wildcat with a running back i, I believe was uh number one and um and i do see where they they put some the h back back there some but we have to establish the run and be better at the run and just running that RPO on first down into the middle of the line is not good play calling. Everybody's trying to force us to pass the ball on first or second down or, or stop the run. We can still run it, but we have to be, we have to call plays that are going to take them into consideration. We know that Southern's going to follow the same blueprint and they, they can execute at a high level. But I, I think. Because we don't commit to the run and we haven't done a good job of running, I mean, we ran the first play, then we had, what, about seven, eight passes in a row, three of them that hit Mississippi Valley State DBs right in the hand. That was our that was our first couple of drives, three and out, three and out, punt, you know. The only offensive touchdown in the first half was a defensive touchdown where they snapped the ball over the, the receiver heads, I mean, on the quarterback head. What got us going in the third quarter, late in the third quarter, almost fourth quarter, was when we put him back in and he showed some explosiveness in Wilhoy. And mm -hmm. we ran the ball. And then we threw a short pass to him and got him in the space. Those are the kind of plays we're going to have to – I mean, we see. That's what our quarterback – you know, quarterback one, that's what he executes at a high level. The simple read where he ain't got to think, 
where he don't have the – I heard Coach uh, talk to the 220 club too. He didn't have to think about – when he has to think about the second or third read, when he, when he has to think too much, that's where the mistakes happen. Keep it simple. Run game, short passing game. We got enough weapons. That's how this offense can be effective. Well, yeah, and and that's that that that's to my point about why is the option going deep to start? It was like everything was trying to throw 10, 15 yards down the field. Why not start with the short stuff, then build up to the bigger throws? That's what I couldn't, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that change at all in the first half. At nowhere, not from the first drive to the second drive to the third. And that was bewildering. I, and I don't know, look, I I'm I got to believe, you know, QB1 is a smarter, smarter dude. Now, you know, if, if he doesn't have the, the ability, uh, meaning he's not allowed to, 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 to check at the line of scrimmage, or if he's not, if he's not coached up to start, from the, the short game, like I, I, I just I hate to use the guy out in Colorado who used to be at Jackson State, but that dude is completing like seventy something percent, and a lot of his stuff starts short intermediate game, and then they build up to the bigger throws, you know. I so I I just I just wonder, you know, we we want to beat QB one up, but you know, like like Coach said. It, it it's on him. It's it's really on him because there's got to be something in the coaching, teaching, or philosophy that has him consistently throwing downfield and not picking up the guys underneath. It to me. Well, what, and, what you- and the accuracy, the the accuracy. Do not ask your players to do something they're not capable of doing. And that's what I feel like we keep trying to do. We're trying to run a system with a quarterback who has certain skill sets that are strong and certain that are not. And so that that middle and long, he's not accurate. He's not accurate when you try to make him throw long passes. And he's also not accurate when he has to hold the ball. you got to establish the run game, and you got to keep the, the short patterns uh and and more and more and when you throw on the intermediate throw more drag routes and stuff you got to keep it simple if you don't do that you're going to continue to have inconsistency you know what it strips are you got to play to marcus what are your thoughts what did you see yeah i'm pretty much the same thing that you guys saw in that the first half i was surprised at how much um winging it we were doing like the first a few drives. I mean, you know, my prediction last week was over 200 yards rushing. I think you got 130 mm-hmm. you know, for a game. And we were averaging like six yards a carry, you know, after the fact. But like the first couple of drives, I was just surprised at how much we threw the ball and didn't try to establish the run, especially just to get some rhythm. And I guess the, the doldrums of traveling out there and all of the logistics things, it would seem that you know, getting your offensive linemen, you know, getting some contact and getting them energized a little bit would start off. Where, and plus, we, like Kelvin said, we have like a slew of running backs. We have a lot of talent on the offensive line. And even though you can't overlook a team, I mean, Valley's just coming off a 45-3 to shellacking. 
It's their first home game. And what energy could have been held, had at the stadium, you pounded down their throat in the first drive, it's gone. Now, the defensive touchdown probably could have done that, but there was just too much opportunity for them to stay in the game. And so I was really disappointed in the first half in the fact that we didn't pull away in the first half. And if not for a block in the back during that interception run back, we would have been down a half. We would have been down 14-10. And it was just too – based on the talent gap, there was too much – there wasn't enough of a separation for me in the first half where I think we really could have done so. And it was a combination of play calling, discipline, or, or lack of discipline, because I think we had a couple of defensive penalties. I don't recall exactly. I don't remember if they were we face mask. No, five and one drive. In the game. Yeah, and there was and there was a couple that were a little shady, like when he pulled somebody down by the I think they sacked the quarterback by the shoulder pad and they called face mask. And there was another one that seemed a little shaky. I think it was all on the same drive that kind of extended them. Late and I don't remember if that's zone. the – Yes. So I don't remember if that was the drive where they scored the touchdown or if that was the drive where we stopped them on a fourth down play. By the way, by the way that fourth down play, it looked like if um, Eric Horn hadn't gotten in there, their offensive line had gotten enough push to get the first down to get a first and goal. If he hadn't popped them. And they were that's the play where they were looking at it to see if that was um, targeting when he knocked the running back down on fourth down. But it looked like their offensive line had got enough push that he would have ran up in there. But it just seemed like the energy, we matched their energy and the crowd's energy in the first half. That's that's why I said that game was a bring-your-own-juice game. You got, And I'll tell you what's disappointing to hear, and I, it's the second time I've heard Coach say this, about our first half uh, effort as a team. It, he he called it out after the West Florida first half on offensive side on on offensive side yes and he called it out in this game in the first half that's now I mean maybe with the exception of Texas Southern in a couple in a couple weeks uh, or three weeks or whatever we played him um, that or or Lincoln but I mean really if you want to be this kind of championship level team. I mean, we think back to teams that are that are rated number one, and what do they do in the first half? They go beat the snot out of somebody 45 to nothing <laughs> in the first half and then let the subs play. We got yes. coaches, coaches just did it to the same yeah. team without they started quarterback. But I don't know if they beat them 45-0 in the first half, but I get what you're saying, though. I, I, my, my point is I know coaches putting in all these other players and he wants other guys to get some playing time. Damn that. I'm like, Go beat these dudes 45 nothing in the first half. Then let's go put the second team in. Put Muratovic in. Well, put everybody else in. Put the second unit in. After we done whoop they tail, 45-0. Now, I, maybe that's what we were trying to do. I heard some, a couple guys in the chats talking about, you know, we, we were jumping out there trying to hit the long ball uh, too early. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's what we were doing. But if that's what we were doing and how we were doing it, that was the that was a flawed – that was a flaw. Flawed plan. Well, I think when and I'm, you know, grossly uh I'm projecting on Coach Simmons' statement. Because I saw the article where he said he wanted to see some other guys play, but I'm assuming that he assumed that we were going to be enough ahead that we would put some other guys in to get some playing time. Not necessarily 
just rotating it in because it's a nip and tuck game until the fourth quarter, but that we would have sufficient enough of a lead that we can put them in. And and that's the other thing, just looking at the season. You know, I'm surprised. I mean, we've seen Junior. We've seen other people sub in. But especially with the teams that we have more talent than and the defense is playing well, we haven't put them away enough in order to be able to get meaningful playing time other than the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. Such that Junior and that uh, Kareem Burke and others can get some snaps like a whole quarter or something. And we have the talent to do that. We just have not done it. I don't know if we scored – I think what thirty one is thirty one our cap this year so far in the first five games. It feels like it thirty one, yeah. Because we had twenty eight against Jackson, thirty one against Valley. I think we had thirty or thirty one against um, West Florida. Yeah. Um, gosh, but I but, that, but I tell you that that West. that is the reason why you know, and there's something to it now, and I see it, and I've said it, I've called it out a couple times now. There is a reason why FAMU is one in five against the spread under Coach Simmons with a spread of 17 points or more. We th- This game was opened at a 27 points, got bet up to 30, which I, again, I, I looked at 30. I'm like, there's no way we're covering 30. I, I hate to say that. <laughs> I mean, you know, Kelvin, you you probably would have. I know you like, ah, oh, we beat these guys by 35, and maybe we should have. But I know us, and for some reason, we we don't the, the the mindset or the strategy maybe needs to be a little bit different in these kind of games. You know, kill a mosquito with an axe, that kind of thing. And, and instead, we 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 using a fly swatter and we using spray. <laughs> we using spray. We using raid spray instead of just coming out with an axe and knocking their head block off. I, you know, so just you know, we play in spurts. You know, we we, we, we execute with on on the opposite side. We execute, we execute in spurts. We only give you three or four, four drives a, a game, and they're usually back-to-back. I don't know where that bad habit came from and why it's that way, but we only execute in spurts. Uh, grade. If we had to give a grade, Marcus, uh, what kind of grade? Offense, defense, overall, what kind of grade? Offense, I'd give a C. Just based on that first half, and uh, actually, basically the first three quarters, and then pulling out the end. So I'll say it's pretty average, given the competition and where our, what our aspirations are. The D, I mean the defense, I would give A minus, B plus, somewhere in that range. I mean they only, they held them to one touchdown, and even that one, I mean they started running the ball, and then they just you know threw it over the top, got in the red zone. They did stop them one time, but they didn't stop them the second time they got in the red zone in the first half. Special teams did okay. I mean, the kickoffs still come up a little short. Overall, I give the team a a, a B. Um, Kelvin, how are you grading this one? Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like, Dr. I'm going to say overall C. Everybody, everybody, everybody get a C. Everybody. C minus. <laughs> Valley was a bad team. So for me, doesn't, you know, that was a really bad team. So 
I can't, I can't, I can't, um, I can't grade on the, on the curve. C minus. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd, I'd have to give the, the offense a, a, a C, C minus. Might even, might even say level to a D. Uh, the offense, the defense with an A is the only reason why the overall grade is probably a, a you do the average on that. What a, a B plus. Is, is that what it kind of averages out to or a solid B? Yeah, I mean, because, again, expectation, 30-point favorite. Again, 30-point favorite, not even close to covering that. And you, you looked at the performance. Hey, look, 31-7 to 7 is a good win. But, again, we're supposed to be the number one team in HBCU football. That's supposed to be the worst team. Matter of fact, that's the worst team in FCS football, 128 teams. You only beat them by 24. And it was nip and tuck until the fourth quarter. I mean, we were one one interception, one turnover, one, one blown coverage from play, being – One mistake, yeah. one something – the turf grabbing somebody, a pull, one, one something stupid happening from being behind. I got you. I got you totally, totally. All right. Uh, one, one fumble punt. Exactly. One one anything stupid, crazy, unexpected happening. Yeah. yeah. All right. If it wasn't for the penalties, they would have been ahead, like Marcus said. All right, let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna um come from off the football field and we're gonna get into the rattler roundup on the other half and talk about some other sports, and then we'll come back and talk about FAMU football at the top of hour two. Hang in there with us. You're watching the ONG strike zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be back in two. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. 
Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Hello, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Um, Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, pleasure to be joined now by a couple of uh, Rattlers who are part of the FAMU Strikers Soccer Club um, here at Florida AM. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're getting to the Rattler Roundup. And I told you there's a lot of sports happening right now across campus. So, I uh, want to say hello and welcome to uh, Arrington, um, Arrington Porter and Justin Smith. How you guys doing tonight? Doing good. All right. Make sure we have do we have Justin. I think Justin's hello. trying to trying to get things figured out with his end. So as soon as we get him, um, so Arrington, why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, you are. Me. You hold on. Here goes Justin. I think we got Justin. Hold on. Let's see. All right, Justin, are you there? Yes, sir. Can you guys hear me loud and clear? We got you. Yes. We got you, man. Thank you. Right, Thank right. you for joining us. So You're let's welcome. just kind of start with a little bit about uh, your your background, your your major, where you're from, um, and uh, how long and your role with the uh, with the club program. Arrington, we'll go with you first. All right. So. Uh, here on uh, the highest of seven hills. I am a physical therapy student. Um, I am in my second year, just starting in this semester. So um, it's going well, uh, it's going well, we'll say that. But uh, I joined the club about, I wanna say this time last year. So I'm relatively new, um, the squad itself, uh, Unfortunately, you know, like I said, our captain wasn't able to join. Um, Nick, he has been with the club since when we didn't even have the turf field where they were practicing in the small lot by the ROTC building over by the stadium. So, uh, but I'm still grateful to be a part of uh, something big. You know, we're up and coming and I'm, I'm really excited for what we got planned. Nice. And, I, and I'm sorry if I missed. Where did oh. you say you were from again? And uh, I actually forgot that. My apologies. Uh, I'm from... Uh, the Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Duval. Oh. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, and then let me go over here to uh, Justin. Justin, let uh, let people know kind of a little bit about you at FAMU and, and your role with the club. Uh, so uh, I was originally born in Decatur, Georgia, uh, and I moved down and I moved down to Tallahassee, Florida, around I'd say seventh grade. Uh, I see I see some hands. You, you're from Decatur too. That going right. Yes, sir. My mom went to Cedar Grove. Ah, okay. Yes, sir. But um, so I moved down here in middle school. Uh, I'm the vice president of the family soccer club. I joined, I'd probably say the same time around uh, 
AJ, because I actually transferred to FAMU from playing college soccer um, up at Chowan University in North Carolina. So I'm roughly new to FAMU as well. But as he said, the club's still going. A lot of people are joining in, especially from last year. Still was small, but it's going all good. And I'm majoring in business. I'm going into marketing. All right. SBI, right? Yes, sir. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm an SBI grab myself. So, Justin, as the vice president, tell tell Rattler Nation a little bit about the the club and, and how it differs from um, what most people are accustomed to as it relates to varsity sports and some of the things – that uh, makes the club unique? All right. Well, um, I would say first off, just uniqueness in terms of the group. Um, we can actually allow people who are at TCC who are transferring over to FAMU once they're done, they can actually play on our team. So it's not like we're just strictly FAMU students. TCC students can come play for us as well, which we have a couple of those guys because they'll be transferring to FAMU once they're done. But I'd say for the most part, as you compare to the varsity, really, we have to, there are a lot of similarities. Like we have to do some of our own fundraising. Um, it's just really things like that. There isn't necessarily our coach. He's just a guy who's helping out, which we appreciate so much. Uh, big shout out to coach Chris Holland. Uh, he helps out with a lot of soccer around in the urban community, just all around Tallahassee, really. So we're glad that he can come step up with us. But in terms of that, I'd say pretty much it, it is kind of similar to a varsity team. Uh, we had tryouts. We have cuts. So it's not just, oh, everybody is going to come out and play. And that it is more serious than I would think a lot of people don't really understand. And that's also why we're trying to make a point with this season, too, because there's not really an expectation from something that hasn't been there over the constant years. So the only way for us is really up. So we're building from the ground up. Gotcha, gotcha. Marcus, go ahead. Yes, thank you guys for coming on, accepting our invitation. I guess my question, how do you go about, now you mentioned that you have tryouts. I wanted to ask, how do you go about building your team? What's the ideal number? And how do you build support as it relates to, and I I know soccer has been growing steadily over the years. I know the U.S. has been trying to build it, maybe not to the same level as what you see in some other countries, but it has had some groundswell of support. But as you know, down South, uh, football is king, or at least American football. So yes, how sir. do you generate the interest? How do you, in terms of not only recruiting players or getting people to come out, but also in terms of uh, generating fan support? Well, um, AJ is actually over our social media. So he does a lot of that work that you see on Instagram, whether it's the flyers, putting it out there, and we go through a lot through the rec center. We have um, a good relationship with them. I actually work at the rec center. So AJ will send me a flyer or some newsletter that we need to put out and I'll get it to my supervisor and we'll put it out there. But in terms of support really is just the people we know, you know, FAMU is a tight knit community. So they'll act, people will come out and support. But I would say the main thing is results. If people see, oh, the soccer team, they're winning this, this and this. I think people will more gravitate towards coming to see these games and it will bring more and more. And so um, I think that's just a crucial part, just getting it out there, letting it be known that there actually is a soccer team out there because a lot of people, they'll hear, oh, you play soccer. I didn't even know we had a team. That's one of the main things that we hear as a player. So I think it's just getting our name out there. And uh, if, I, if you don't mind if I interject. Um, yeah. So 
on that topic of trying to get, um, you know, noise generated for us to, like, for people to know that we're here. Um, that's why I like to tell my teammates, if we can, like I'm wearing now, try to wear our shirts. Um, I've been to plenty of football games. People ask me, hey, you know, we have a soccer team. I'm like, yeah, you know, you should check us out. I talk to them about it because, like you said, American football is king here. But that doesn't mean, you know, we shouldn't build. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I want to uh, lean back to talking about our coach, Chris Holland. What he, uh, the organization he's a part of is called North Florida Madrid. And they are basically sort of like the AAU team uh, for soccer to where they, um, you know, they host age, multiple age groups. They host um, many different players that go on to play, not just at uh, North Florida Madrid. Some of the players actually train with us uh, through Coach Holland. Um, some of them actually through that program, like through that club, get scholarships. They get recognition. They go high. And that's something we want to build upon because as we grow the game here at FAMU, as we get the name out, as we get people to show up, we get more interest like, hey, you know, I've been playing soccer for X amount of years and I may just be a student. You know, we don't have a a D1 team like uh, the other colleges do. But it's still that quality of talent that you can still play soccer. And, you know, to allude to that, um, to the the tryouts and cuts and stuff like that, um, Coach Chris ha- is very strict on what he, what he wants. And it's not strict as in a bad thing, but he knows, like, he has a really good eye for players. I can tell you that. He has a really good eye for players. He knows if you can play the position that you say you play. He knows if you actually know what you're doing with the ball, if you actually seeing the game, like how he wants you to see it. And that really helps us as a squad because then we are able to become better players, play better on the field, get those results we need to show, not just, um, honestly, not just the school, not just our friends and family, but show ourselves. We have a squad. We have a team and we are just like we're just like University of Florida's club team. We are just like um, Georgia Southern's club team, just like FSU's club team across the uh, train tracks that we are not just we are like we're new, but the game is not new to us. It's just we approach it differently than everybody else. And that's the shock factor that we got for us. Thank you. Um, Kelvin, go ahead. got Kelvin. Kelvin I'm interested to know who do y'all play uh, and also hello y'all got me yeah we got you we got you go ahead okay okay yeah I was wondering uh, your competition who do you all play what do you play your games at do you travel and is there a, a wish that you all go from club level to perhaps varsity level sometime in the future um so right now our uh, closest game is actually this weekend 
will be at um, Georgia Southern in Statesboro, Georgia for the Southern States Cup. So we'll be playing um, we'll be playing three uh, guaranteed games. So uh, one game on Friday, two on Saturday, with the potential to go to the semifinals of the tournament on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, and the final game Sunday afternoon. So right now we, we are still on the um, up and coming side of scheduling those games and stuff like that when it comes to uh, more opportunities. Um, but that also requires uh, communication to be a two-way street. So we can reach out to as many clubs as we want to say, hey, you know, we're, we're here, we wanna play. If y'all can give us, if y'all can get us a weekend where y'all come to us, we'll go to you. And it's just that two-way communication between other clubs. Um, and then in the spring, uh, this coming spring, we'll be actually in a spring league. So we'll have like a commissioning body. We'll have um, like uh, similar to what we see in um, with the fam with the family football team and any other uh, D1 sports and stuff like that, where we will have a set schedule. We'll have We'll know who we're playing, when we're playing them, and all we need to do is show up and show out. And then, Justin, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so, um, like, as you mentioned on Friday, we actually play UCF. Um, and this weekend we play UCF, we play GSU. And a lot of the, as you communicated, uh, with these other sports teams and clubs teams, I have a lot of friends who I've played travel ball with from seventh grade to to when I graduated high school, who are also on some of these club teams. So a lot of the communication can be easy. I can reach out and say, hey, um, well, one of my best friends, he's the president of the FAU club team. So we're trying to schedule something um, to go play them uh, down in Boca sometime in the spring. We have an upcoming game with Morehouse. We're trying to figure out um, with, uh, when the hurricane came in earlier this year, uh, we were, they were actually supposed to come down and play us in Tallahassee. Uh, that week, but it got pushed back. So we had to figure out a different time. So we're going to figure out a way where we can come down or go up to Atlanta to play them and they'll come down. So it's really just figuring out a set time. Like we have a game during homecoming against uh, UNF. If you guys want to come out and support and watch that game. Oh, yeah. So a lot a of big, it, like AJ just said, it's just, we need a big crowd for it's just communication. So where where are the games played at? When you guys play, where are you playing at? We'll be playing um on the rec fields um where the turf is. That that's our field. We'll be playing there. It's behind the uh, rec center. Okay, and so if anyone who's not familiar is that, let me see. That's uh right that, across from the FAMU PD. Okay, that's what I, that's what I kind of thought. That way, yeah. heading a little south, further, a little further from the baseball stadium, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Literally okay. across the street from the okay, baseball. Okay, right stadium. across the street from the baseball stadium. So that way, people, you know, who? Let me ask this. So let me ask the finances because I got uh, a, a big time FAMU supporter here, uh, Kenya, asking: Does the club get funding from student government, SGA? Um, I don't believe so right now. Yeah, a lot of our fundraising just comes from. Within, we'll do a bunch of fundraisers throughout the year. Like we just finished up a uh, double good popcorn fundraiser, and I believe we raised about four thousand five hundred dollars, some somewhere around that range. And that'll go into our travel, uh, us getting uniforms, gear, things like that. And so, just the fundraiser was, I'd say, about three days, four days, 
and we raised four thousand five hundred, which is pretty good if you ask me. It is. Yeah, that's really good. So, mm -hmm. so we'll do a bunch of those fundraisers throughout the year, and with that, it's really just booking our hotel and payment to play these games, and also just there is some fu some fundraising from the rec center since we are through them, but it isn't like uh, how the school funds the uh, NCAA programs, obviously, because that's actually FAMU Athletics, which I'd like to put out there too. I know we are a club team and we are FAMU, but we are completely different from FAMU Athletics. We're mostly with the FAMU Rec Center. Okay. So it's the Rec Center who organizes, you know, if you're going to have a match, um, as you mentioned, that you're trying to schedule, that's going to be during homecoming that the, the rec center sort of foots the bill and they get the referees and, and, and organize and set all that up. Is that how that works? So it's kind of, we'll go to the rec. We'll say, Hey, we have a game or we're trying to schedule a game this day, say for homecoming, uh, October 28th. And it's here. Can we schedule it to use the, um, the field for this certain time and all that. But, uh, to answer Ms. Sykes question, we can ask, SGA for certain special allocations, but that's usually for the spring semester since we'll be in the spring league that year. Uh, well, in that semester. Okay, that that's that's good. Um, I'm I'm trying to cover as many thoughts and questions here because uh, how many? And again, the, the club has been around for how many years? I know I saw somebody in the chat say there used to be an intramural. Uh, soccer team back in the day. Yep. Uh, you, we got we got a lot of old school rattlers here, so they, you know, they, <laughs> yep. they uh, you know, they they know. So, so how many years has the soccer club been in its current in its in its current form as a FAMU Strikers? How many years has it been existing? Now, uh, Mr. Bob Carroll, who works at the mm -hmm. Rec Center, he said it's been around for a while, but it's it kind of died down a little bit um, the, over the last couple of years. And okay. as AJ mentioned, our president Nick. Uh, Haynes, who I actually grew up playing with in Atlanta, he um he kind of lit the fire again with this and with more and more people finding out and all that we've sort of grown. So I'd say the intramural team has been around for a while, but it's kind of getting back on its feet, I'd say. And that's why this year is such a big building block for us since we'll be joining a league again. We'll actually be playing games. And it's not just, oh, we're going to scrimmage FSU once and then that's it. But we're actually playing for something. We're actually playing to go to nationals and make a run for it. Right. Okay. So, so look, let's do this. I want to get. I want you to give out the information so that people can follow. How can they donate? And then when we get, you know, obviously you're gonna keep us updated. I'm, I'm looking here on Instagram at uh, FAMU Strikers. That's S T R I K E R Z. Okay, that's how you can find them on Instagram. And the Southern States Cup is this weekend. You take on UCF uh, at 7 p.m. That's uh, what day is the 6th? That's Friday, yeah. Friday night. And yeah. then on Saturday, what is that Western Carolina that you play at noon? Yes. Yes. It's and then uh, what? UNC, is that UNG? Who is UNG? That's uh, – University, University of North, North Georgia. Georgia. North, North Georgia. Georgia. Okay. And that's at 6 p.m. And so yes. the games are played at Georgia? Georgia Southern. Southern. Yes. Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern. Yes, sir. Okay. So here's what we got to make sure. Arrington, you're in charge of social media. So you got to make sure you tag us at, at the results so that we can make sure we can get it out. 
And, oh, absolutely. Um, and, and then we're going to also have you guys back on before the spring starts so that way people can can stay aware of uh, what you guys are doing as well. Um, so J- Justin or Arrington, give out the plugs. How, let people know how they can find you. Give out the plugs. All right. So um, like you said, you can follow us on Instagram at FAMU Strikers. So F-A-M-U-S-T-R-I-K-E-R-Z. And um, that's actually our sort of main source. We do have a Twitter account uh, by the same at name, Family Strikers. Um, we're s- slowly getting back into that. Um, it was sort of defunct for a time. But outside of that, um, we're built, we're going to branch into Facebook for the older, uh, for you know, the <laughs> alumni, stuff like that. That was no disrespect. I promise you that was no disrespect. It's all good. It's all good. That's <laughs> all I love we want to get, you know, we want to get more. Uh, we want to get more action to the team. We want to showcase not just, um, you know, me and Justin. We want to showcase our teammates. We want to show the university that we are a growing club. Showing prospective students that hey, even if you show up to FAMU, we don't have a D one team, but we have a team that is D one. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just really just getting the brand out there. We want to build. I like. I'm I, honestly honored to be a part of this. Um, I, my undergrad was University of Central Florida. Ironic that we played them first game, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I never had the opportunity to represent my university at such a level playing soccer. And that's just always been a dream of mine since high school, middle school. So, like, I'm beyond blessed to be in this position. I'm really looking forward to what we got. Nice. Um, so I got here's a good question here from the chat. Is there a women's strikers soccer club as well? Yes, yes, there is. Yes, oh. there is. So okay. I think they're actually waiting on the process we had to last year, which is to um finalize them getting added to the league. So I believe um next year um they'll be in a league. So this year is kind of a like a gradual period they've they're obviously they're still training throughout this to get ready they're getting more members so they practice monday wednesday and friday and we're on tuesday thursday but yes there is a, a women's team okay i have a couple of quick questions before you guys go i know i asked this when, when we reached out i noticed some last names that sounded familiar uh that may be legacy famu folks and i don't know if you know of anybody on the team who are the sons of FAMU alums that are on the team. And it's the second, uh, the logo. Mm-hmm. When I go on your your page or, or your um, Instagram account, that logo, have y'all thought about getting those, are those part of your uniform or any merchandising with that logo? Because it's really nice for anyone who likes that type of stuff. Um, right now, uh, that's actually a great idea. I'm going to write that down um, because currently we don't have anything uh, like that. A uh, big shout out to our club captain, Nick. He's the one who Nick was the one who made the logo, right, Justin? I believe so. Yes, he did. Yeah. So um, the idea is to use that logo, hopefully going forward. Um, right now, we just have a basic logo on the uh, incoming uniforms that say FAMU soccer uh, with the uh, Rattler head and stuff like that. Um but that is something we could definitely talk, um, talk about sort of in the e-board, maybe branch out 
um, to our treasurer, ask him like ask logistics about that. Um, you know, because that would actually be another good way to help fund the club. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it gets paraphernalia out there, gets exposure, and then it also helps us get funds to where we can um, we can you know continue going to these tournaments, continue um, being in these leagues because we all know money runs the world and unfortunately that's something we got to deal with um so really helping us out financially um i'll definitely bring that up in our e-board meetings even if, you have a, even if you have a patch or something because i know you're not going to get a full-blown mm-hmm. full-blown mls or or, or yeah or, absolutely um, soccer like a uniform shirt because i know that would be way out of your price range mm-hmm. even I, if you I get a t-shirt you- mocked up and like a soccer uniform with the patch. I don't know if I we can show it. I don't think we have it in our slides, but which which one with the uh, the logo, the famous strikers logo. Uh, in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, here. I'll I'll, I'll do this real quick. I'll do, I just pulled it up the on Instagram, so I'll I'll show it right there. Um, boom, right there. Yes. Yeah. So that's the that's the that's the logo there. Um, uh, yeah, so hopefully I don't know how well that comes into everybody, but you can see it there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say there was somebody who was they were there was somebody who had produced FAMU soccer kits, um, like the jersey. I, I, I want to say maybe five years ago. I don't know what happened to that, but yeah, merchandise sales, big way to go, big fundraiser for you guys if you can. You know, because you know we want to wear stuff that says orange and green, and we always looking for something, something different. So, uh, if you if you're able to get into the the merchandising market, that might turn into be uh, a, a good fundraising venture for you guys. You know, and promotions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if people want to support, if people want to donate to your club, how can they do that? Okay, so our um, we use Cash Up. It is uh, FAMU, cap, all capital, FAMU, um, soccer. So it would be dollar sign, F-A-M-U, all caps, and then soccer in lowercase, S-O-C-C-E-R. All right. So that's uh, so basically you can, you can give right there. Dollar mm-hmm. sign, FAMU, soccer, right there on, on the Cash App. That's how people can donate. Yeah, we got to – you want to make that, make that visible – somewhere on your Instagram and Twitter. So that way uh, Rattlers, Rattlers can donate, even if it's $18 and 87 cents, you know, we in that mode. So <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, want, you want to take advantage of all that. So um, any, anything you can. So you guys, Rattler Nation who are watching us, please make sure to follow. First off, follow on Instagram, FAMU Strikers, S-T-R-I-K-E-R-Z. And then uh, if you can support on the cash app, dollar sign, FAMU soccer. One more time for those who might have missed it right there. All right. Um, and uh, Mr. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Mr. Green, I was just going to answer your uh, first question when you asked about um, FAMU alum or any family. Um, so my dad actually is a FAMU alum. He went there for his grad school and he currently serves as a university ombudsman. And then uh, his mom, my grandmother, actually taught at FAMU for 20 years and she's in the uh, gallery of distinction in the college of education. All right. And then yes, um, my family itself, uh, a lot of my family members 
our uh, family alumni. Both my parents went here. All uh, both my parents went here. Um, I have plenty of aunts and uncles who went here. So my blood is orange and green. And trust me, I heard it all when I chose to be here. But hey, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I, I'm here now. So hey, that, that, look, as my friend Key called called the city that you're in, transfer Hassey. It's all good. It's all good. That, that, that you know, you always find your way back home to the highest of seven hills. It, it don't matter. Somehow you started over there. Look, I live in Orlando, so I know how beautiful mm -hmm. it is out here. It's easy to get caught up, but you got to come home. So you came home. It's all good. It's all, it's how you finish, not where you start. Yes, sir. All right. Well, hey guys, uh, have a have much success this weekend. Safe travels uh, up to Georgia Southern. Uh, we hope you guys perform well. Pick up uh, three wins and and two more, and bring uh bring a trophy back. Make sure to tag us at ONG Strike Zone. We'll make sure to share it out with the people. Uh, you know uh, your results, okay? All right. Got to thank uh, thank uh, Arrington and Justin for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Now. All right. You too. All right. Thank you. All right, we appreciate those guys uh, for for joining us. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, there was the, the soccer thing, man. I tell you what, it's that growing sport. It's that growing mm -hmm. sport um, that yes. uh, that's going. So uh, we appreciate you guys for um, for 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 showing those guys some support. Please make sure you go follow them on Instagram, and I know they're getting the Twitter and all this stuff together. Okay. Let's take a break and come back. We're gonna get into this matchup. We got the we got the voice of Southern University Athletics, Carlos Brown, ready mm. to join us. And he's gonna come into the snake pit. I know <laughs> he got three rattlers on him. He's gonna have to watch out. You know, get struck from the left, struck from the right. You know, but no, we're gonna treat Carlos with love. <laughs> I'm watching I'm watching Carlos in the background. It's funny. All right, so Carlos, hang in there. Two minutes. Let's take a break. Come back. Carlos is going to join us. We're going to get into some deep talk on FAMU Southern. It's FAMU Southern week. And uh, hopefully we get a, the kind of matchup that everybody in the SWAT thinks uh, thinks we're going to get. All right. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. 
In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, visit us today to take charge of your learning. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Somewhere we, some, oh, hey, there he is. I thought we lost him for a second. There he is. Uh, Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, and it's good to be joined by the host of the Carlos Brown Show every Saturday morning, um, noon Eastern, 11 Central, Carlos Brown, talking about all things related to Southern University athletics. Carlos, how you doing tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. I, I, I'm fine, and uh Hey, I, I feel like um, it's a road game. <laughs> I, I, I'm in against uh, all of the uh, orange and green in the FAMU, but guess what? I, I, I love it. You guys do a great job, and um, I, I appreciate you having me on. Hey, well, look, we 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 love talking to you. You know, I I I glean so much information about Southern when uh, whether I'm producing your show or watching your show. Um, and, you know, Southern goes, it feels like Southern goes through a lot of the stuff around athletics that FAMU goes through. And I don't know if that's just maybe the nature of the beast because of we are two elite universities and programs in different states or regions of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, give what, Before we get into the football, what, what's the state of Southern athletics right now? Well, we always use the term high expectations and, and, you know, every athletic program, every HBCU, they have the same goals and it's a place. It's not for everybody. Okay. When when I say that high expectations is tough, the fan base, they're very energized. and, And right now it's kind of the trend is that they expect more. They want more. They want this athletic department to compete for the overall athletic championship, the Commissioner's Cup. And at one point, under the late great Floyd Kerr and others, um, they attained those goals. But as of late, it's been a struggle. And and the fan base and the alums, um, they're, they're really not, per se, happy at all. They expect more. So high expectations, 
and uh, even with this football uh, program and Coach Dooley, wow, Whew. it's 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 a big game this Saturday, and it's been a tough start because again, high expectations. Some will say maybe this could be a preview of the SWAC football championship, but for Southern, they started off zero and two. And now they're kind of trending upward. So, big game Saturday, very big. Boy, this sound sound sounds a lot like another university that I love. Uh, hearing you talk about that, he could have just <laughs> replaced, could have just replaced one word with a with another word and a letter and a and a symbol and another letter, and I'd have been like, man, that sounds like us. But anyway, uh, Kelvin, I'll let you get it started with Carlos. Kelvin's on a bit of a delay for some reason. I don't know if you're hearing us. Hello, Kelvin. You there? No, he's he, yeah. for some reason something's going you on. Hear Mar- me? Marcus, let me go. Oh, there you are. We got you now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a long delay. What do you got? Go ahead. Go ahead with your question there for Carlos. Carlos, I'm just wondering, uh, talk about your first two games and what's changed these last two games. What's working now for your football program? Well, two things, in my humble opinion. We finally saw a rushing attack. Because prior to last Saturday's game, Southern University did last. Now, I heard you guys talking about last year, family struggling to run the football. Southern did last. Lo and behold, last Saturday, and over 200 yards rushing in one game they surpassed the previous the previous three games and then harold blood uh, a grad student first time really starting this year now he did make an appearance last year if you remember in tallahassee um kind of had ball security issues kind of growing in in the position so he he has improved now last saturday his first pass was a INT, but then he ran off 18 of 20 in a row. So, and then the offensive line, they had some injuries, but uh, they felt the wrath of the Jaguar Nation. They had underperformed. They seem to have now started trending in the right directions. But we'll see. UAPB is a whole different piece than FAMU defensively. When I was looking at the stats, one and two. FAMU one, Southern two, a difference of 10 yards. Mm-hmm. So will there be any points scored <laughs> uh, this Saturday? I think they will, but it may be uh, not a high-scoring game. Um, Marcus, what do you got? Yes, actually, um, Kelvin asked probably the primary question I wanted to ask, but I wanted to also, the last time FAMU came there in 2021, I mean, it was a, it's always nip and tuck when we play Southern, but it seemed like the energy and the atmosphere may not have been what, at least for me, may not have been what I would have mm-hmm. expected. So what are the expectations this Saturday? And I don't know, I know it's a little different. I think last time we came was in, either late October or early November. So, no, there's a change. I think the weather was a little starting to turn a little cold at that time. But in terms of the environment, what should we expect? Or what should FAMU expect coming into Southern? Will it be what it 
we normally would expect, or do you think it's going to be a little more subdued like it was in 2021? No, I, I think it's going to be a little bit more energized. The last time, I think Coach Rollins was the interim head football coach. And then the week before, if I'm not mistaken, Jackson State came into A.W. Mumford Stadium. And they yeah. scored They scored like 14 points in the last few minutes. Southern mm-hmm. led that game, the whole game. Then right before halftime, some people will say Southern scored. The referee said no. And so they lost that game. Coach Sanders, I think, was his first time back after his medical issues. And it just kind of took the crowd down the next week. And then, once again, I think Southern, correct me if I'm wrong, they, they were leading in the football game or or they had a better start, but they just couldn't hold it. So this Saturday, I'm hearing a, a big buzz. A lot of people are asking me, will it be a hard sellout? I don't think so. Like Jackson State, that was a hard sellout. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it'll be a a different atmosphere it'll be electric now hopefully southern offensively and 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 brian in every game this year although they're two and two they have scored first they've started well but they could not finish until last saturday so to answer your question marcus i think it's going to be a different atmosphere it's going to be more electricity uh this uh saturday thank you I uh I find it interesting. I look at mm-hmm. Southern's two and two record, mm-hmm. and obviously, but but Southern's played four SWAT schools. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to disregard the two wins that counted, or, or the two losses. What so I mean because you lost to a, two teams from the Eastern Division, mm-hmm. and and those are teams that. Uh, you know, FAMU has beaten both of them. Not that that really means anything when you're comparing, but just from the standpoint of, hey, those are the 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 two next two toughest teams in the East. What's your view on this early schedule uh, and playing the non-SWAC schools? Um, would you have liked Southern to have scheduled other non-conference, non-SWAC schools, or or do you understand or do you like the benefit? of uh, what it created for this team? Well, in a perfect world, you would have liked those games to, to have counted in the standings. But here, here's the thing. If you remember, Southern and Jackson State was supposed to play in Birmingham in a two-year agreement put on by the conference because Jackson State rolled off of Southern's schedule. But guess who is a permanent? member, a uh, permanent op- opponent from the East. Mm-hmm. It's FAMU. So they're going to always play, but Jackson State and Southern is so big, you got to put them on the schedule. So it wasn't in Birmingham. That fell through. So next year, Southern goes to Jackson and you're talking about a war when that happens. It's a literal, literally a, a, a war in a good way though. And, and so Alabama State, Took the early lead, was looking good, couldn't finish. Jackson State flat out beat Southern. So, ideally, in a perfect world, two non-conference games from another conference 
maybe, but it is what it is. And um, just to be honest, not trying to be arrogant, although we have been accused of being arrogant. We Southern alum. No, uh, Southern? No. We're, we're oh, yeah, it's true. It's no. Arrogant, arrogant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. no. I, I am too. Look, but Brian, <laughs> but Brian, when teams roll off Southern schedule because historically they travel so well, you know, Alabama State was like, ooh, we got to get them on the schedule. And, and 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 come to Montgomery, Jackson will come the following year. So um, sometimes uh, the success, goodness of a traveling team can also cut away for some home games. So uh, I, I just kind of wish the schedule would have been where, you know, you could have played and maybe somebody from the SIAC or, you know, CIAA or – one of the uh, other HBCU FCS teams, but hey, you got to play the schedule that's put forward for you, and um, that's to the credit of the AD, Coach Roman Banks. Do you, do y'all wish before Kelvin jumps in there? Do you do you guys? And I say you guys, the Southern, the Jaguar Nation, wish that the, I guess what it's called the the rivalry that every year that mm-hmm. you wish that opponent was Jackson State instead of us. Is that what is that? what I'm hearing. Ooh, boy, that's a that's a tough one. I, I mean, I can answer personally. Um Jackson State, that's it's just so intense. Now don't get me wrong, fam, he's in, uh, intense as well. I can remember some of those shootouts in AW Mumford, 50 to 49, 50 to 48. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Billy Joe, wow, I still can hear him in, in my ear now. Uh boy. He was a tough guy. He, he poured on. That's a tough one. I'm going to have to take a poll. Jackson State and family. See, Jackson State is kind of the mirror image of Southerns, Southern fans and alum. But then also I can say that about fam, FAMU. But FAMU is kind of like a, a quiet sort of very confident. Jackson State is loud and confident. <laughs> <laughs> their fans. Uh, and, and Southern's probably the same same way. So that's a tough one. I, 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 Brian, I don't know if I can answer I, that. I, just something to think about. Something to maybe, like you said, poll, poll, poll Jaguar Nation. I'm curious to see what 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 they say on that one. Okay, go ahead, Kelvin. If you if you if you're up and good. Uh, Carlos, tell me what you think of the West, man. What's going to happen in the West of the swag, man? I mean, look like everybody got a chance. Yeah, and, and by the way, I, I always like uh, you guys and others. The East is it, it, it's better, right? It's more. I I don't know from top to bottom. Bam, you number one team over on the conference, no doubt about it. In my humble opinion. I would have put Jackson State. But to your question, in the West, uh, last week I had purview like in the driver's seat. They lost to Grambling State. I must give credit to Grambling. Offensively, they're scoring a lot of points. Looked at the latest statistics. I think they're number one. But defensively, they have some challenges. Southern, 2-0 and zero in the conference, albeit they lost to Alabama State and Jackson State. They still have their goals ahead of them. It looks like it's going to come down to three teams. Prairie View, 
Southern and Grambling State, and especially if you lose a interdivisional game. Now, I'm not saying that Southern should don't worry about winning Saturday. Oh yeah, if they need to win to continue to play better. But those those three. Now, I didn't mention Alcorn. I happen to listen to Alcorn games uh, last Saturday. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Alabama State fumbled twice inside the 10 yard line. Hmm. They were up by three, going to put the nail in the coffin. The guy fumbles at the five yard line. Alcorn goes down, kicks a field goal, sends it to overtime. So, Alcorn, let's just, well, I'm going to stick with Prairie View, Southern, and Grambling. I hope I, this doesn't come back. I have to eat my words with Alcorn because Southern has to go to the reservation. Prairie View, and of course, Grandma's in New Orleans, but Prairie View comes to Southern University. Hey, uh, I, 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 when was the last time? How long has it been since Grambling and Southern have been on top of the West unbeaten? Mm, I, it, it's kind of been a while. I, I, I know that, um, like a few years ago, four or five years ago, they had a, uh, another coach, and now his name escapes me, Coach Fobbs. It, it regularly came down to the Bayou Classic, who represents the West. And it very well could be that way uh, uh, this year. But you got to win the week. You can't look too far ahead. Prairie View comes to uh, Southern University, Texas Southern. Southern has had a very friendly, friendly home schedule. If yeah. you look at it, FAMU, Jackson State, Alabama A&M, Prairie View's coming, Texas Southern. So uh, the Jaguar Nation, they're, they're, they're ready for some good things, some good, good things to happen. Uh, Marcus, go ahead. Yes, and for the matchup this weekend, I know you've already played Jackson and Alabama State. Do you see, in analyzing those games, do you see any similarities with FAMU that would either bode well for Southern's chances or be a, a red flag for Southern? Well, if I look at Alabama State's defense, they're pretty good, pretty good. FAMU's defense is pretty good, so they're similar that way. I, I think it's going to come down to can Southern establish a running attack because against Jackson state, they did, they have very little yards and guess what? They had to throw the football 44 times. That's not a, that's a recipe for disaster to me. Now you're going up against a family team that defensively is very strong. Offensively, they're not bad either. Uh, but Alabama state and family defense are similar. But I give the edge to FAMU uh, defensively, so that that's a similarity. And for Southern, then that means they're going to have to try to be balanced. If if they're not balanced and they're one dimensional, I think it bodes well for FAMU. And I think, no, I don't think I know. FAMU is going to try to say, look, we believe in our defense offensively we're going to shut your running game down and we don't believe you can beat us throwing the football. Thus coach Dooley, you've got to call 
one of your better games because he's an offensive coordinator oh, as well. Boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you guys go through that same thing with uh, fussing about A lot about of similarities. Yeah, because a lot of similarities, boy. i tell you what. I mean, we just like holding a mirror. Like, Coach Simmons and Coach Dooley should come to, like, 50-yard line when they meet and just hold a mirror up next to each other and say, hey, I see you, you see me. There's a lot of similarities here. Right. Well, they're offensive gurus. Coach Dooley promised a track meet on the football field. Oh. So when you say those, those things like that, expectations are way up here, and then you're averaging 14 points prior to the UAPB game. Hey, I'm trying to defend Coach Dooley, but, man, sometimes you can't defend that. And and, and I kind of looked at social media. Some of the – you're right. Some of the family supporters and alums, they're, they're not happy. I think they – both – both sides seek perfection. Yeah. And it's hard to come by. Yeah. And you, you talk, and uh, <laughs> Coach Simmons is uh, living in the ghost of or the shadows of Billy Joe and averaging 40, 40 a game. And it's like, you know, thir- most teams would, would would love to be scoring in the 30s. <laughs> Rattler Nation's like, nah, we, we should be in the 40s. I don't know. What is this 30? What is this 27 mm-hmm. points a game we're averaging? This is. This is uh this is hogwash. We're not doing well oh. enough. I think Southern fans would take 27 or 28 points compared to <laughs> what they're doing now. But you know, again, both are, are offensive uh, gurus. Oh. And um man, the history of this game, I I could just go on and on. I kind of mentioned a 50-49 game, a 50-48. So what's the favorite uh, moment? Give, give uh what what's the What's the and I I told Kelvin and, and Marcus to think about this as well. Give me like the one moment, FAMU Southern. I'm we're gonna go around the horn on this one, guys. So be ready, Marcus mm-hmm. and Kelvin. I'm gonna start with you, Carlos. What's your favorite FAMU Southern moment, or the one that just is memorable that just always pops up in your head during this Southern FAMU week? Well, it it wasn't a good feeling at the end, <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, two I can remember playing in Atlanta. And um, Southern University, what is this guy named? Holmes, a linebacker for family. Oh, yeah. He Earl. was a monster. Earl but, uh, Holmes. Yeah. So- Southern came out and won that game. Eric Randall was the quarterback. Um, both teams came in with great records. That that was outstanding. But the one that sticks out the most, and I got a chance to meet, and, and by the way, isn't it uh, Founders Day for family? Yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, okay. Yesterday. Um, Dr. Humphreys, Southern was uh, number two in the FCS, undefeated, came into Tallahassee, and before Coach Pete Richardson said, somebody's going to get embarrassed. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, Internet Pete. Wow. Internet Pete. I'm probably not telling the whole story. I don't know if somebody showed something, but I heard FAMU had that posted all in their locker room. You tell me. Um, yeah. I want to say the final score was, was it 58 to 19, something like that? But um, Nightmares of Jacqui Nunley, Lamb, uh, a big-time quarterback, and um, we left. And I was a member of the radio crew at that time. And uh, we were going back to the van, and uh, a family fan said, "Hey, 
hey, you dropped something. And I got to keep it clean. And I'm looking <laughs> down, what did I drop? <laughs> he basically said, you're behind. So we tore it up. Mm. You got me. Boy, we got out of that. We were supposed to drive to Pensacola and spend the night. We went all the way back to Baton Rouge <laughs> from Tallahassee. And that was a long, long ride. So though that, that, that stick out. And then I could even remember another time Southern was undefeated. Maybe at one they it was a family's homecoming. Oh. And um Dr. Yeah, Humphreys. That yep. was my first time seeing him give that speech and that stick and put it in the ground. My God, the place went nuts. Final score, 33 to 3. Family. Yeah. So my two times to Tallahassee have not, not <laughs> been fun, but a great rivalry. It goes, uh, it goes back and forth. Uh Kelvin, what about you? What what's the what's the memory? Carlos may have hit him, but what what's the memory? Curtis Kelvin. Bully. Uh, 90, what was it? 98, I believe. 97, somewhere around there. Mm. The Curtis Pulley's game, that one of those 40, one of those 50 to 48 game, I believe it, that was, it was that one. Um, They called back a lot of, you know, they called about, back touchdowns these two or three or times. Oh. And we had about <laughs> 20 penalties for, for about 200 and, 223 yards somewhere around there. And at the end of the game, I think we kicked the game winning field goal to win it. At the end of the game, the ref spread it to two SUVs parked on the side of the uh of the um field. And uh they called it was one call short. <laughs> Was that in Baton Rouge or Tallahassee? I think that was Baton Rouge. That, the, the one I'm talking about was in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Because he played. Yeah. He played. He started two years. Uh, uh, Marcus. Marcus, how about you? I think those two games, the uh, 50 to 47, which I think was in Tallahassee, and then that 50 to 48 nip and tuck, and that was at the the pinnacle of the BJ Gulf Coast era. But the two that come to mind, in addition to those for me, uh, one was, I think, in 2001, where we were supposed to play Southern. I think it got pushed back. I can't remember if it was automatically scheduled or if it was pushed back because of 9-11. Mm-hmm. But I think we were ranked. And it was in Tallahassee. I think the final score was 17-14, to 14, and it was an upset. And I think we even went to the playoffs that year, but it was like, I think we were ranked and, and didn't, and Southern was, I want to say like five and five or something like that. It wasn't like a typical Southern team mm-hmm. and the upset loss. And I didn't, I wasn't at the game, but I was listening to it. And apparently the, we turned the sprinklers on. As you talking about the year we turned the sprinklers uh, oh, on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Coach, Coach Grave is going to me- remember that he's back at Southern now. And, uh, he wasn't a happy camper. <laughs> the, the other one I remember, because um, I was up in the park like I am now, was um I think it might have been 2008. It might have been a Curtis, Curtis Pulley game. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to it. And I think I was watching. It may have been on, like, streaming something. And I remember we were losing. I was like, 
Ugh. And then I think Southern's going to be going for the nail in the coffin and fumbled like within the five. Oh. And I can't remember who recovered it. But then we marched down and scored the winning score. And I was like, oh. it seemed like we were getting worked that whole game. But it was close enough that that turnover inside the inside the five turned the tables and we marched down and won the game. And that was at Baton Rouge, too. Yeah. I've seen a couple of losses in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Always a high scoring affair. Oh, yeah. I, I I still I still go back to I think you yeah. brought it up the 33 to 3 homecoming game. I actually I recall I didn't go to that game. I was working. I used to work at a hotel up on North uh North Tal- North uh North Tallahassee right by the uh interstate. And I just so I had the radio on of course. I'm listening to mm-hmm. Keith Miles and I'm listening to it on the radio, you know. Be nice if you could do that uh, these days. But anyway, um I'm listening to the broadcast and all I know is we marched down the field and scored. And then on the ensuing kickoff was the shot heard around the world. And I, I think I can hear the crowd from where I was, but just hearing, hearing it through the radio. And I, I heard many people talk about that hit uh, on the return kickoff. And it was just a boom. And then everybody like, Whoa. And the, you know, just that excitement from that hit. And we recovered, and then we were in you know, that point. I think we jumped on y'all twenty-one nothing right there in the first quarter, but fourteen yeah. quick points, and it was just. I think that was that was a homecoming game. That was where they had thirty. They brought in the extra bleachers, so you had like thirty, thirty something thousand. You know, back then Bragg could only seat twenty-five, but they brought in the extra bleachers in the what's now the north end zone where people eat wine and cheese and drink to their merry. <laughs> um, you know, so that's uh. Yeah, that's those memorable moments, man. Memorable moments. Um, all right, Carlos. So let's end it. Let me let me let me ask the obvious question here. Uh, if Southern is going to win, what is Southern going to have to do against FAMU to to be successful on Saturday? Well, I, I kind of knew that question was going to be asked, so I kind of pulled up some notes. But now, nah. I, I, I'm gonna start uh, uh, offense for Southern to be. You, you're saying to Southern be successful. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. One, they must establish some running, produce some running yardage, and if it's not successful early on, you still got to be honest and stick with it. A one-dimensional Southern football team is, to me, is not going to defeat a, a strong FAMU defensive team. Um, they're going to have to offensively. Also, they're going to have to get off to a fast start. But now, I just told you earlier, they've scored in every game first, but they got to sustain it. It's going to be interesting to see how, if Coach Dooley, what kind of game plan he's going to call offensively because he's the offensive uh, coordinator. Also, I think offensively, they're going to have to mix it up. They're going to have to be successful on first down and stay ahead of the chains. You don't want to be in a lot of third and longs against a great defense. Now, defensively, Southern, is, that's a strong point. We talked earlier, they're right behind family. You almost could say 1A, 1 and 1A defensively. The front line, they're going to have to get pressure, and I think they're going to have to make uh, Musa very uncomfortable. What quarterback likes to just get hit all of the time? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have to force um, – Turnovers. Another interesting fact. 
last year, Southern was in the top five. I mean, really in the top five in uh, turnover margins, forcing turnovers. This year, they only had one until last Saturday. They forced four. They're going to have to do that this Saturday. And to get the crowd energizing early. If they go behind or fall behind quickly, in light of what has happened, I wonder if the Jaguar Nation will go silent in that game. But defensively, force turnovers, um, stay ahead of the chains. Offensively, got to establish a running game, got to be balanced. And then Coach Dooley has to call one of his better games as offensive coordinator since he's been at Southern University. This is this is a big game. And if you look at it against the top competition in the conference, he's kind of 500, kind of 500. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my quick takes. And, oh, and by the way, did you see Joshua Griffin on social media kicked a 65-yard field goal that was in practice but a strong leg? Hell, I'll take a three-point victory on a field goal, 50 yards. I'm desperate now. I want this game. I want this game and to keep Southern <laughs> for the Western Division. Sorry, Kelvin. It 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 may be to against FAMU to keep the undefeated streak in the conference minus Alabama State and Jackson State. What the how much wind was behind that kick? Was it like a 10, 15 mile an hour wind behind that kick? Any idea? Any from, from what I heard? It was a man. It, it it hasn't really been windy here at all. It's still hot, um, but again, that's no pressure. No opposing team trying to block it. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, look, sixty five is is still impressive because it, we're talking yeah, practice. Yeah, practice. practice. Talking practice. Yeah, but 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 not the check, game. Check, check not it out on game. social media. It's it, it's impressive to me. A strong, right. a very strong leg. But again, yeah. it counts when you do it. If you have to, you do it during the game when it's much more pressure. Right. All right. Well, Carlos, uh, yeah. we always appreciate you coming on and, and talking. There's so much, so many similarities between FAMU and Southern. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's good to kind of, I like rooting for Southern from a distance every week, but this week, so uh you know i we will wish y'all good health uh i can't do anything about luck but we just wish y'all good health so that when the rest of the season goes on that you guys can uh continue on and then when you you, you beat grambling in the bayou and who knows when you come to tallahassee again in december at least yeah run the table afterwards (laughs) yeah we'll we'll look forward to seeing you in december how about that you know hey been on the road Uh, if that's the case it'll be the third time on the road for uh, a championship yeah twice twice the all-corn me and my best friend i think he's watching Man, as soon as that game was over, we were out of there. We were headed back to Baton Rouge. You're talking about not in a good mood, fireworks going off, everything, the celebration. But, hey, Alcorn earned it. And, hey, a little help when Prairie View comes to uh, Tallahassee. Oh, help we, us out. See, I'll pull for FAMU, but Jackson State, I could never. 
Hey, they set they step, they step for a swag and me at challenge on the celebration bowl. Prairie View, Prairie View is coming to Tallahassee for homecoming. They, you know, they not they have no idea what's about to get hit. You know, the distraction committee gonna be out in full force. They will have no shot in heaven at uh, walking out of there feeling good about themselves. So, you know, it's all right. It's all right. We 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 got you covered. We got you covered. I, I'll be doing this on that time. What maybe one of the few times, but hey. It's all love at the end of the day. Yes, HBCU indeed. forever. <laughs> yes, indeed. Carlos Brown, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Carlos, every yes. Saturday right here on the Black College Sports Network at noon Eastern, 11 Central. Uh, Carlos talks about Southern and HBCUs and the SWAC. Uh, you know, co-host Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Sports Radio Network. Oh, that um, chant, that yeah. chant. You, you know what? I'm gonna cut his camera off next week. I don't oh, know how. how, how we got. I got to check on Charles. You know, Charles didn't harass <laughs> me. Look, Alcorn. He didn't harass me about the Rams beating up on my Colts. I, I got to check on Charles. Make sure he's all right. I, I normally get nasty texts from him after the Rams beat the Colts. So, you know, I, well, I gotta, I gotta make sure he's all right. Well, Brian, he can't. Alcorn. He, he can't say too much because my team is the Saints, and oh, uh, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good good weekend last weekend. But uh, hey, I got you. All right, hey, uh, make sure to follow Carlos at the Carlos Brown Show, um, and then again Saturday at noon. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we look forward to uh, a great game. And uh, you know, hopefully the uh, the guys from the from the east come out victorious. So that's what we're rooting for. All right, <laughs> thank well, you, Carlos. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, continue to do a great job. I appreciate the invite. Thanks, Carlos. Appreciate you. Appreciate thank you. Right. you. We're yeah. gonna take a short break. Come back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. 
www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin uh, back here. We're going to get into a little rattler roundup and get you ready for FAMU Southern. Got a got an interesting tale of the tape to, to go over with you. I'm curious, Marcus, how'd you, how did you feel when you saw Coach Simmons tweet on the bus from early Sunday morning? breaking news that hey his quarterback is is him and we're gonna ride we're gonna ride with uh with jeremy musa what's uh what's your what's your thoughts on uh coach taking time out to send that tweet out sunday morning i was surprised he responded and i know the last couple weeks he's you know he's had some playful banter on social media but i was kind of surprised he responded i figured he's like you know just fans being fans, but I mean, he's standing up for his quarterback and I mean, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to bench him, you know, so that wouldn't really fly with the team. I mean, he knows that Jeremy could be playing a little better. There's some things that were missed. Could be on him, could be on the receivers, run the roots, could be a lot of different factors. But, and we've talked about it in past games. I mean, Jeremy, I think he's leading the swack in passing, but yeah. even if there's an uptick, and like even five percent of his, um, if he had a five percent, five percent better completion rate in all the games that he's played. Now I think West Florida and maybe one other he had like he was in the sixties. There was like a two game stretch where he was in the sixties. But if you look at Jackson State, and if you look at this past game, if he was in the sixty to sixty five percent range, he'd probably have close to seventeen hundred yards by now, maybe close to two thousand. Or if he hit on a couple more passes, but I mean, that's in the past, and we're still winning. But I was really surprised that Coach responded just because I figured you know, he would, you know, that's par for the course, and fans get a little rough. And, you know, I know I said a little something. I didn't call out Jeremy, but I was like, you got to be kidding. Well, I could have said, you got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> and I did say the clean version. I didn't spell it out. But I said when Nat was on that interception in the at the end of the first half, you know, we were basically in the red zone. And we threw a hundred yard interception, which, you know, if not for a referee's penalty, and I don't, I didn't necessarily see the. I was looking at the runner and hoping somebody would tackle him. I wasn't looking for, you know, the infraction. But if not for that, we'd have been down fourteen ten at the half in a game that we could have and should have been blowing them out. Tell the truth, you thought Coach Simmons was above the noise. You thought he wasn't on social media. Uh, uh, well, I know he's on social media, but uh, I didn't know. I didn't think he was going to respond because he probably just brush it off like you know that's just fans being fans. Um, Kelvin, your thoughts? I have no problem with a coach defending his player. I have mm -hmm. no problem with Rattler Nation being Rattler Nation, and neither does Coach. I think Coach kind of gave a. a a little vision, peel back the onion, so to speak, when he uh at the 220 club when he talked about being on that long bus ride, 
getting back about eight in the morning and you know you know getting all the i'm sure he was on, on a social media he was seeing all this chatter and um one chatter in particular was pretty pointed and it was you know someone that probably is known to tell us very well i know he's known to me very well <laughs> so uh you know after that long trip and um almost getting home and so forth you know he, he probably got a little caught up more caught up than he wanted to but i have no problem with either one of them with, with one exception brian i think you put more pressure on your quarterback because he has a, a bully pulpit so to speak so when he says things people pay attention and i think even though his intent was one thing what it really has done for this game is put more focus in on on, on that position and the execution. So hopefully his play calling along with the execution will be on point. I do I I do understand that I want to point out because you know it was mentioned by coach on one of his uh, press conferences. I did notice that you know we had offensive linemen playing out of position. You know we had guards playing tackle. We had start I start starting tackle out and then one or two guys got banged up in the game. So I understand. I get all that. But but just to be frank, you got to make the plays that are there. None of that had any, anything to do with his decision-making and his execution at the end of the day. That has to be better. But, but, but Coach put a lot more pressure on him, in my opinion, by speaking about it. I, I think the pressure is – honestly, I think the pressure is on Coach. I, I mean, because – I think we all see – see, the coach, as the primary play caller, the coach and the quarterback are in sync here. So I think, you know, and, and he mentioned that he watches the film immediately after the game. So like you said, if he's got to be on that bus for eight, nine hours, and if he's watching that film – I, w- between probably watching one time, watching the decision making, but also second time going through it, maybe looking at his play calling, and say there's probably a lot of um, frustration. You know, maybe even some. Why did I call this? Why did I do that? Um, I shouldn't have done this. And so, what, here's the one thing I will say: when Coach Simmons has had a uh, a half or a game where we might look at the play calling and say the play calling could have been a whole lot better. It usually is the next game. So that's the one thing that kind of, I think is encouraging coming into this Southern game is that I think the play calling will be dramatically better in this. And I think you will see, you will see Musa spreading it around more. I don't think you'll see him looking deep as much um, where I think he'll look more underneath and more in the intermediate, uh, the intermediate level. Uh, and, and so I, I just think, you know, that that's kind of where that's going to go. But um, I will say this though. I, I looked at some stats and I forwarded this to you guys uh, from uh, Luke Williams, black mm-hmm. college sports page put together, Stats among all HBCU quarterbacks 
Division One and Division Two, right? Jeremy Musa right now is sitting at uh, number four in yards per game, uh, 248.8, with 1,244 total yards, 10 touchdowns against four INTs, completion percentage of 58.2. Now, again, that sits fourth behind three Division two quarterbacks. So amongst Division one, and then and then I'll take it even a step further. Among the top four, five, six, seven, amongst the top seven quarterbacks in all of black college football, Musa sits there at number four. Now, guess who sits there at number eight? Harold Blood of Southern. So, you know. I, I don't know how, you know, you, you, we, we talked about the the numbers are what the numbers are. He still is producing. And I, and I think that's part of the message is saying, I know a lot of people expect and want better. I think that's on him as the coach. And I think that's why he's standing up for uh, his, uh, his quarterback. Um, okay. Marcus, you got an event coming up here in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what is the HBCU week, the college fair happening in Atlanta. Yes. So I had the opportunity and pleasure to attend this in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, What was it, last Friday? Two Fridays ago, September 22nd. And originally started here in Wilmington. And I guess it's been going on for six or seven years. I remember when it first started. I didn't attend then, but my company now is a Spartzer. My, my the company that employs me. I don't. It's not self-employed, but we had a good time. My the estimates were about eight to ten thousand high school students came through from the the tri-state area. We had our own little area where we showed some of our company's wares and displays, and had a lot of folks out there. And there's an opportunity at the college fair where they had FAMU was up there, and in fact, I can look up the young lady's name. As I got her name, she gave me a flag and I meant to bring it down. She's going to be in Atlanta as well. And so FAMU was there. There were about 30 colleges, HBCUs there, in addition to an organization called FOSSE. Uh, and I'm going to look it up, but I know it's um, uh, their mission is to help to foster more students, more African-American and brown students in the STEM field, the Future of STEM Scholars Initiative. So they they actually branched out the last couple of years, HBCU Week has primarily been in Wilmington, Delaware. But last year they were in Orlando about two weeks after the event last year. And this year they're going to be in Atlanta. So they're going to be in at the Cobb Galleria Center. And it is from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Friday, October 6th. So roughly two weeks from the event here held here in Wilmington. I don't think my company is going to have a presence in the Atlanta fair, but we have a major presence at the one in Wilmington, Delaware. But if you have any high schoolers who are interest, interested in STEM or actually interested in HBCUs, it's a college fair. But I know our particular focus was on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. So make them aware if they're not already, and hopefully they can get out and about, whether in the Atlanta area, the Southeast region, and actually, as a tidbit, I meant to give a shout out 
Uh, I met Mike Washington from the inside the HBCU lab, his company. He was coming doing some scouting and I was walking around. I was like, I know your face. And he was like, huh? And I was like, yeah, you're on the show with uh, Dr. Cavill. And I was like, he was like, yeah. So got a chance to see a colleague from the BCSN network and a fellow HBCU uh, uh, podcaster. So you never knew who you're going to meet, what connections you're going to make or faces you'll recognize. But more importantly, you have an opportunity to have some high school kids in the Atlanta area or the Southeast region to come to HBCU week and have a, a comprehensive college fair where you'll have different colleges, including FAMU and the young lady's name, uh, Chloe Roginas. I hope I'm pronouncing it, pronouncing it right, but she works for FAMU Admissions. She just graduated last year, so she's new in admissions, but she's traveling all around representing FAMU. So tell Chloe you said hi if you happen to venture there. Bring any teenagers you have who are juniors or seniors or any friends down the street. Make them aware and make it a, a solid event. There you go. Good shot. Good shot. All right. Appreciate Good that. Job. Good lookout, Marcus. Um, let's keep going here with the Rattler Roundup. Let's get into talking about uh oh well uh, final scores there before we as we wrap up week five there. Um before we transition out of that. I think I thought I had moved that graphic, but anyway, uh any any scores there that surprised you, fellas? The scores obviously other than ours. Um any any scores that surprised you? Uh, the two that jump out Grambling. at me. Oh, go ahead, Kelvin. Uh-huh. Yeah, Gremlin preview. And I happen to watch that game later on. I like uh Gremlin running game. They have some very nice backs. For me, it was back. Tuskegee getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shocked the heck out of me, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I was a little yeah. surprised at the um, Alabama State score. I thought Alabama State's defense was going to pull them through, and I thought they were going to pull it out. Well, that, that's the second week in a row. Alcorn has dealt with the game that went down to a field goal at the end because uh, they they lost the game the week before on a field goal. And then, they, as Carlos Carlos was talking about how uh, Alcorn benefited from a mistake by Alabama State, a fumble or something, and uh, that's how they got back into that game. So, um yeah, and 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 the streak did end. The Grambling five-year losing streak to Prairie View A and M ended, and uh, uh, yeah, this uh, Grambling man, keep an eye out, keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Hewitt found something uh, between the running game and the passing game. Watch out for Grambling these last these next five weeks, these next mm-hmm. five games. That's all I'm and gonna I, say. And ironically, I think their starting QB is a transfer from Alabama State. Uh yes, uh, cr- uh Crawley, Crawley, Miles Crawley, mm-hmm. yeah, yep, yep. So yeah, I don't know if he can get it, if he got any PT at Alabama State, so he went over to Grambling. He's got them balling. Uh, he he was in he was in the mix. Um, they just he never he never won the job solely. I mean, to get the kid who is there now, uh, it was three of them. It was Crawley, Davis, uh, uh and the two guys who are there now. Yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. two who are there now, and so, you know, it, it is what it is. You go, you go where you can find a spot to play. I guess uh, that's how that's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we'll come back to that in a second. Let's give a shout out to our FAMU volleyball team. Uh, over the weekend, uh, they took a pair 
from the schools in Mississippi at home. They defeated Valley 3-0 on Saturday. And then Mississippi. Yeah, then they defeated Jackson State 3-1 on Sunday, uh, a day in which there were a couple of different records. Of course, you can see there a 1,000 career assists for Camila De La Rosa, uh, a 1,000 kills for Brooklyn Watts. Uh, and, and Watts is only in her third year of collegiate volleyball. She's already got a 1,000 career kills. And then also Brooke Hudson, who's the reigning libero of the year, she became or she moved into the top 10 all time in women's volleyball or women's volleyball rattler history with career digs at 859. So she will probably, I would imagine by the end of the SWAC season, she might hit a thousand because, um, and, and she'll probably win libero of the year again. I, I, I can't, uh, I can't see that not happening. Uh, the ladies did end up losing though on Founders Day yesterday to North Florida in three one. That was the non conference. I think that was the final non conference game of the season. So currently, their record sits at uh, seven and ten. Uh, this graphic you see was posted before the game against North Florida yesterday. Uh, so the team is seven and ten right now, three and one in conference. You see where that puts us. It puts us what in fourth place technically, but like I said, that's because you got some schools that haven't played any real competition yet. I mean, Prairie View's unbeaten, uh, Southern unbeaten, Alabama State. I mean, look, they Alabama State just started winning. Uh, I, I'm interested to see the Prairie View matchup. Prairie View, you can see, is eight and nine coming in uh, right now. And that's what we have this weekend. So, you know, family volleyball is out in Houston. So for you Houston, Texas Rattlers, uh, you got an opportunity to go check out the Lady Rattlers as they'll be taking on Southern and Texas Southern on Sunday. And then on Monday against Prairie View. So I'm I mean, actually, you know, that's two, what, that's two, the top two teams in the volleyball standings. That's who we play this week. So, you know, props to, uh, props to FAMU Volleyball. And then one other note, uh, just announced earlier today, Camila De La Rosa was recognized as the SWAC setter of the week. Uh, anything you guys want to add there on the volleyball note before we, before we move off of volleyball, uh, quick curious. I'm, I was watching, looking at the stats last night for the game, and I was—I don't know if we were taking it as a tune-up. I was expecting us to win, and I was kind of surprised how North Florida kind of put it to us. I mean, three-one. I mean, we were most of the. There was one game that we won the first set, I think twenty-six twenty-four. And then lost the second one, just lost the last three. And I think the first two, the middle two, weren't really competitive. We didn't seem like we were – the scores were a little lopsided. And then the third one, I think it was close, like 25, 23 or something like that. But I was a little surprised at that. But, you know, just getting ready for the getting ready for the tournament. and I mean, not for the tournament, for the rest of the SWAC season and 
hopefully pulling things together. Um, how any word on how the attendance was? Um, Kelvin, did you hear anything regarding the attendance from this past weekend? I no, uh, okay. I, I didn't get a chance to see. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Moving off of uh, volleyball, of course, I mentioned earlier this week, yesterday and today, basketball media days happened. Of course, just the previous week, the basketball season started with practices, and we finally know the women's basketball schedule. We finally know the non-conference schedule. We finally know the, the the conference schedule. We can kind of guess the conference schedule because the men's was already published. Um, but what I find interesting there, you can see the dates I have circled. First off, the first the first game of the season for Coach Gordon is a is a trip home. Uh, can you imagine the emotions of your first? game as a collegiate head coach you're going back home to where you are an all-american you are one of the top 10 greatest players to ever play at that university in knoxville tennessee and you're walking in with your team i mean the emotions that coach gordon is going to be with and i expect the team to to really be playing their tail off in that one for her um, so that, that'll be an emotional game. Uh, if any Rattlers are in the Tennessee, Knoxville area, I don't know. How far is Knoxville from, uh, Atlanta, Marcus? I, I don't know. I've never been directly to, I know Chattanooga is like two and a half hours, but I don't know how far. Oh, okay. That is from Chattanooga. I thought Knoxville was not far from Chattanooga. I guess maybe that's why, why I asked that. Um, but you know where wherever rattlers are, yeah, yeah. What probably about two, about two and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If so, I would, I would hope Rattler Nation could get out there. That sounds about uh, right. About two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um. So they, didn't you see the home schedule there? Uh, three, three pretty impressive home games. Of course, we we talked about this last week on last week's show. The fact that the first home game is that Pac-12 doubleheader where the ladies, they will take on the University of Cal or, or Cal University, excuse me. Uh, and then they also have a home game later in the week against Jacksonville University. Uh, and then after traveling out to Texas, they come back again with the game against South Alabama on December 8th. Uh, and then they'll go out to Detroit and Michigan for a pair of games, um, and then uh, back to Jacksonville to end the year. So technically, you've got five opportunities to see the Lady Rattlers in action. And what I like about this is they're not playing any D2 teams on this non-conference. You don't see any, no D2s, um, no NAIAs, you know, just good, good quality, solid opponents from out of uh, Division One, and I and and that's good. So, congrats to uh, Coach Gordon or whoever is in charge of scheduling. Uh, somebody said uh, Joe King said it's three hours from uh, 
Atlanta to Knoxville. So I don't know. Is that is that close enough to take a day trip or a night trip? I don't know. Anyway, just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, okay, media day was uh, a few photos. That those of you who are watching, of course, you hopefully you got a chance on Tuesday, Founders Day. Uh, Tiffany Green, of course, is there with uh, with the Lady Rattlers. That is a uh, uh, a coach Coach Gordon, and then uh, Ariana Grizzle and Skylar Baltaziger. I think I said her name right. Did I say her name right? Sky, as we call it, we call her Sky. I think it's um, Baltziger. At least that's oh. how I heard Tiffany pronounce it. Okay, we just Balt. Okay, Sky. We just say Sky B, and uh, she actually follows us on uh, Twitter. What up, Sky? Wow. Uh, we gotta get Sky on the show. We gotta get Sky. Yes, on the follows. Uh, but I, I did talk to Coach, and Coach was. Uh, I did have a chance to talk to Coach during the uh, media session, and um, she did mention. Of course, that Sky is coming off of an MCL injury. Uh, she's going to ask Ariana to be more of a scorer this year and less of a facilitator, um, which is good because we know Ariana can score. I mean, that's Ariana on the left, Sky on the right. Though, for those of you who are watching the podcast, uh, but if you're listening, um, Sky is a returner. The three main returners, Evets, are uh, Evet Subarets. Uh, from Spain, Yvette is also a returner. So we've got uh, three, especially if Sky is able to stay healthy and the knee is right, three good, solid returners. Uh, Yvette has a sister. Marcus, you talked about her. We got eight new returners, eight players, eight new players. Mm-hmm. And we kind of knew that from the previous coach, that there was going to be eight players. Um, Olivia, yeah, Olivia Delancey is the first recruit by coach Gordon. So um that that young lady is um one of the new names and I'll tell you a name that I'm going to tell you guys to pay attention to and she's a freshman it's the young lady from out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um Sydney Hendricks. Sydney Hendricks and apparently she's got a sister uh in Michigan that's still playing high school ball so I I'd be willing to bet that on that recruiting trip or that trip when we go up to Detroit and Ann Arbor, uh, we'll be trying to pull her into uh, into Tallahassee as well. But um, I'm 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 excited to see her. Uh, th- this team has more size, and I think they are a little more athletic with the size. You know, if, if you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at. Um, I think this is a more a little more athletic team with some size, some big guards too. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I like Coach Gordon's energy. We, you know, we're still working to try to get Coach Gordon on the show. We're, we're working on our basketball preview show, where we're gonna get a chance to really sit down and, and talk shop with Coach McCullum as well as Coach Gordon, and, and so uh, we're even working on expanding our coverage. Of women's basketball in the first season of Coach Gordon Marcus, right? Yes, we are, and hopefully we can introduce uh, those aspects within the next coming weeks. We'll yeah. keep it under wraps for now, but if you follow I'm excited Twitter, about it. You know. If you follow us on Twitter, you already know. But 
But um, if not, you need to go follow us on Twitter at ONG Strike Zone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we a former uh, one of our former alums, former women's rattler or lady rattlers, uh, is, is going is going to come on as a as a correspondent for the ONG to help us to help us really go in depth in this first season for Coach Gordon. So we're gonna we're gonna really try to to do it up during the basketball season here. And uh, some weekly, and, and uh, get a lady's perspective. It's, it's, it's exactly. good to have a lady's uh, a lady's perspective on things. Exactly, and a former um, player, and a former player. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of the uh, SWAT Media Days, Ariana was selected to the second team preseason All SWAT second team. Uh, so uh, props to her. I think she averaged about ten a game last year, and uh, I think. If she's more more of a, a scorer, I think Dylan Horton, of course, was averaging like 15, 16, and she finished the season as second team all swat. And so I think it's uh it's Grizzle's time. Grizzle's time to cook. There you go. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now the now from some of those pictures from the first practice, I was trying to look at jersey numbers and even practice jerseys don't necessarily match up to what's on the uh online roster i did not see nashani gilbert who was one of our recruits to actually that um, coach pillow signed before she departed but it looked like i saw a couple of the other folks like Haley no, Brennan. Gilbert, gilbert's still on the uh on the roster online though yes i just didn't see a picture of her and it's not a matter of could be they just oh. didn't take a picture of her. i was trying to match up numbers on the roster with numbers in the the preseason or the first practice but it looks like a lot of folks did show up in terms of um, the players that are on the roster. There was somebody number three that's not necessarily one on the roster that wasn't somebody I recognized. So I'm kind of curious if they had some other late signees that we're not aware of just yet. Okay. And I'm looking at the roster now, so I haven't seen, it hasn't been updated. But the face for number three did look familiar. And it was, definitely wasn't Ana. Subarets, Yvette, or the sister? No, not unless they've been getting the tan on the beach. <laughs> hey, it's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, predicted order of finish for the women. Um, you know, of course, Jackson State is the standard in women's basketball. Got 11 first place votes, preseason number one. Uh, interesting to see Southern and Arkansas Pine Bluff both get some votes there. Grambling State, uh, Grambling State has a new coach, but uh, you can see they picked up two first place votes, and then FAMU at ten. Uh, so it's a good opportunity. I think the SWAC still does top eight, top eight advance to the playoffs. So you know, good opportunity to see can FAMU be a top eight team this year. I. I can I go out on a limb early or should I wait? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm I think we can be a top eight team this year. Yeah. Hell, I I think, you know, what what I'm hearing from Coach Gordon, um, and and you know, health is gonna play a big factor in it, but you know, hell, why not us? I'll wait. I I like to I like you to always, see things first. You always like the wait. You always like the wait. <laughs> You always like the way. Yeah, I gotta but see it. I gotta. She see definitely it. got some. I guess. I, I, I like I, what I see on paper, but but I gotta yes. see it. 
I and I guess a recurring theme between both teams for FAMU is that um, yeah. size seems to be a priority. Because some yeah. of the late folks that came in that Coach Gordon got, I mean, even the couple that um, players that Coach Pillow signed and that stayed on, but some of the late signees like Olivia Delancey, uh, the young lady from Middle Tennessee State, and we got a late transfer from UNC Wilmington that's listed on the um, on the roster. They all go like six one, six two. So I think some of our size deficit we've seen the last couple of years will, at least on paper, doesn't seem like it's going to be a, an issue just based on the sheer numbers. We have to see how they play. But you know, I think um, Skyler was holding it down for anything anybody over six feet last year, maybe one other player, but I think she was it. But now we have at least four or five players who are six feet or above. Yeah. Um yeah, so we're we're looking looking forward to uh to that upcoming season. The men had their preseason media day today, uh Coach McCollum and the guys, and this is the the men's preseason poll, of course, Texas Southern is the standard in the SWAC this time preseason number one. But you can see quite a few teams got first place votes. Grambling got four. Alcorn got a pair. Jackson State, Mo Williams got three. Southern and Prairie View. I mean, seven schools, eight schools, if you count Arkansas Pine Bluff, got a first place vote. FAMU predicted order of uh, 11. Eh, you know, it is what it is. I think Coach McCullum is dealing with what, about eight eight new players as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Marcus? Yeah, somewhere around there. So it's a lot of turnover. Yeah. So we'll talk We'll talk uh, more about the, the men's basketball preseason here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, their first season, they kick off in uh, November. November. I think both games are November seventh. The ladies both and games the men. November. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Olivia. Really? Hope not. I hope not. Jesus. I'll take that. I'm. I'm playing the over. I'm. I'm. I'm playing. I'm playing the over. I'm playing FAMU. I'm playing both FAMU teams in the SWAC tournament top eight. Now. Too soon. Just, Too soon. Y'all, y'all, no, no. Okay. Hey, look. Y'all meet me. Y'all, y'all put it out there. Soda bet. I like my diet Dr. Pepper and diet Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Y'all can just bring them, bring them to the next live event. That's all we got to do. Or just buy me a case on Amazon. There we go. <laughs> I, I said it. Uh, want to give another award here. Recognize. Well, we don't want to give an award, but want to recognize Coach Jamie Shoup who was recognized uh, earlier this week uh, by the Florida Diamond Club as their College Coach of the Year. 2023 Florida Diamond Club College Coach of the Year. Best college coach in quite a few colleges, quite a few baseball colleges here in the state of Florida. Uh, Well-deserved Coach Shoup. And uh, really looking forward. I know they're doing some fall ball stuff right now. Uh, that is a team with so many returners. Um, man, it, it's going to be exciting to see what this key, what this team does from the jump. I mean, they really have a great opportunity, maybe more so than any of the previous years, 
to really kind of be better than because like the last time we won the MIAC, what you had COVID that happened, and then you're sort of restarting in a new conference, and we finished third. And then this year, you got a lot of new players from out of the transfer portal. And then guess what? You win the title. But you're going into 2024 with a lot of new play, a, a lot of returning players. So all of the big bats are coming back. Uh, it's going to be real exciting baseball season. Real exciting. Uh, yeah, Kenya, Kenya brings up a good note here. Uh, they had a baseball showcase recently. Uh, great show, great turnout. I think I saw about 80, 80 mm-hmm. prospects, 80 players came out to that. Uh, FAMU baseball, pay attention. Let's let's get the let's get that field taken care of, please. Let's get the facilities up to snuff. That's all. Okay. Um Let's do, uh, before we talk about other games real quick, I thought I'd go through this with you guys and get your take on this. Let's take a look at this upcoming game. Let's let's really kind of look in the numbers for a few. I know we're running late, but, but let's just take a few minutes and kind of really break down what's in store for this weekend. Uh, again, the top two defenses in the SWAC. Okay. Now, FAMU has played five games, uh, Southern four games, but Southern has played all SWAC opponents, three SWAC East opponents. Okay. Um, and so we now make their fourth. Actually, Southern will probably go through the entire East, if I'm not mistaken, by the time it's all said and done, maybe with the exception of one team Hmm. but anyway uh tail of the tape looking at the numbers here scoring offense uh, scoring defense you can see southern just giving up 12 points a game famu 15 scoring offense is where the biggest you know margin is we're averaging 27.4 game southern 17.8 uh, look at the total defense in terms of average yards per game. FAMU is first, and Carlos talked about this. There's only about a 10-yard difference between us in first and Southern in second. Uh, offense is a little more disparity there as we're averaging about 375 a game, Southern at about 346 a game. Um. Rushing the ball, you know, it's kind of rush defense, excuse me, rush defense. <laughs> Pretty interesting here, right? Carlos was talking about how poor Southern has run the ball. Well, they're going up against the number one rush defense this week. And we all know our own troubles rushing the ball. We're going up against the number three rush defense. Neither team rushes the ball very well. If you look at what I highlighted there in red, <laughs> I mean, we're sitting at ninth. Southern sitting at 10th. So it kind of like makes sense that the next line, when you look at our passing offense, we have the top passing offense. Southern has the top passing 
the second best passing offense. Southern does boast the best pass defense with 174.3 yards allowed. And we have the third best pass defense. What are the, When you look at the numbers, Marcus, what, uh, what stands out for you? Up Southern's defense uh, stands out. That really pops off. I mean, we already I mean, we're kind of biased, so we know what our defense is like. I'm surprised that they're scoring. And if, if I'm looking at the second line of scoring offense, and I guess the caveat, and I was thinking, and as you're running the numbers, and Steve Campbell brought it up, if we look at our scoring offense, that includes a group of five FBS team, whereas Southern's includes all. FCS. So and you can't draw a concrete conclusion from it, but we do have, you know, from our scoring offense and scoring defense, we have to factor in, I'm assuming, well, we've only played two swag games. Well, three swag games. So I'm assuming these numbers go across the board, regardless whether there's a swag opponents, all opponents. Yeah, this is, this is all, this is the entire season. I didn't, I didn't, Oh no! So I mean, that makes it that makes the point I'm making in okay. that the 15 points scoring defense includes a 38 point burst from South Florida, mm-hmm. whereas scoring defense for Southern is against all SWAC opponents at the beginning of the year. Same thing for the offense. So that's not to say that it gives a favor. You know, you can automatically say that you know Fami has the advantage, but. In terms of the the competition, we did play in FCS. We did yeah, play in Division Two. So you have what'd to fact that. Wait a minute, what'd you say, Kelvin? Then you has the advantage. We got the better defense on paper mm-hmm. and on the field. Nah, not gonna disagree. Not gonna disagree at all. I think it's going to be t- a battle of wills. You know, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, it may, may be like closer to that 2001 game, 17-14 versus the 50-48. to 48. Well, let's take a look at – let's take a look at – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelvin. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a chance to talk on this uh, on this graphic as well. What are your What's your take here with what you see? Team similarly built. Um, Southern being at home, I think, maybe kind of evens out the whole defensive thing. They're a strong defensive team. I'm interested to see how we execute. This game is not going to come down to the running games, people. Neither team is going to run the ball very well. So stop it. (laughs) It's going to come down to turnovers. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. It's not going to come down to the running game. Although, although if someone is able to run and be productive, it might it very up, well. It, it, it's going to be a difference maker. It if will. that miracle happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me go to some That's other it. stats. You, you tell me whether these other stats – if you see anything in here, oh my gosh, yeah, third down conversions, fourth down red zone penalties and sacks. So, third down conversion percentage, uh, FAMU third in the conference at 40 percent, 
Southern sits right behind us at 35.8. Now, this is more a defense-related stat. Opponents' third down conversion percentage, meaning when we are on defense, what is the likelihood that... Too much in the weeds. Too much in the weeds. Okay, I, I'm just – I'd like to explain, but you're right. Okay, let it say what it's going to say. Uh, we you're have late. the top – I got you. We're, so, there's – look, Southern is 10th. Take note of that. I think, you know, Southern being 10th is a is a big opportunity for us when, when we're on offense on third down. 42.9% of the time, Southern gives up. Fourth down conversion, if it gets to that, uh, that's where Southern sort of has excelled this year a little bit. They're at 53%. Um, defensively on fourth down, Southern 30%. You can see we kind of, we're kind of, we're kind of middle of the road in both not only fourth down, but opponents fourth down. Red zone offense, I thought was kind of interesting here. Um, red zone offensive, you know, we, and again, getting into the 20s is considered a red zone. Um, 68% of the time, we have scored some type of point, seven touchdowns against four field goals. Uh, we're, we're well aware of Southern struggle scoring, so it kind of fits with the average there that uh, they are 10. Um, defensively, we have been very stout in the red zone, uh, allowing the second fewest in the conference to, of course, Southern. Penalties, I thought, really should be circling. And, and Steve, you see that. Penalties killing this team. Uh, we are second, not only in total penalties, but in average per game. Uh, Southern is one of the least penalized games uh, teams. You know, so... Um, that should be taken into consideration. Sacks against offensive line has done a great job. Even though the offensive line is is a is a shell of what it started as, it's still been pretty good. Musa has only been sacked seven times this year, which is second fewest in the conference. You can get to Harold Blood, so Anthony Dunn and uh, General Hunt in the front four. Uh, those guys should eat. They really should. They really should. Uh, Kelvin, I'll start with you. Anything on this page that kind of stands out for you? No. How about you, Marcus? Nope, sacks against. I'm hoping we take advantage of that. Everything else, I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive game. Okay. All right. Um, so. Let's uh, let, as we get ready to wrap up the show here with our final our our picks, our bold predictions, and um, our uh, how we see this game going. Um, obviously, you know nobody really hit on bold predictions last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty bad. Marcus had predicted over two hundred rushing yards. Kelvin predicted a shutout. I had over four. I had over 500 yards of total offense. So we were all. Kelvin was probably the closest. You know, but anyway, it is what it is. Um, Marcus, you and I 
take the picks for the week because Kelvin really only had one good win. Uh, he had Alabama A&M along with you and me. Uh, for some reason, he thought UAPB was going to do something. They didn't. Uh, we all lost Alabama State. And then he picked Prairie View over Grambling. So, um, so congrats, congrats, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's our swag game. Don't trust the West. <laughs> uh, hey, you, you trusted him. We tried to tell you. You didn't take your own advice. You didn't take your own advice. All right. No, so it don't matter who you pick. You don't know who's going to win in the West until you play. Yeah. You might be. You're on the Grambling going to be the same way. Grambling hadn't really played nobody. Prairie View, they still got to go through Southern and everybody else. So we'll see. All right. Bethune is traveling to Alabama State at the 3 p.m. Eastern game. HBCU go. Hmm. Uh, who do you who do you like in that one, Kelvin? Me, flip a coin. <laughs> you flip a coin. Here's the tails. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Alabama State because my um, man C is gonna be on fire if he lose that one. Be back to selling, back to selling uh, homes and insurance. Yeah, insurance, wherever he came from. Yeah, don't do it. Wow. I'm sorry, don't do it. All right, uh, Marcus. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Hornets. Um, man, nobody, nobody believes in Bethune Cookman. The uh, I think they're young. The low. No, I think it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a close game, but Alabama State needed more, and they're at home. I'll go. I'll go. I'll be the lone wolf. I'll go with Bethune Cookman. I'll do it. All right. We also got uh, Grambling traveling to Alcorn. That's three thirty Eastern. It's Alcorn's homecoming. Um, this I think Grambling has somebody has won this series a lot. I think it's Grambling. I think Grambling has won this series a lot. But this is a game that might knock Alcorn out of out of the. Uh, Chances of winning the West if Grambling gets this win. Kelvin, who you got? Don't trust the West. Grambling going down. All corn. Marcus, who you got? Yeah, I'm a robot all corn too. I think they've had close losses and a close win and a close loss the past week. So I think they've tested their medal. Um, man, I think I'm gonna have to go. Oof. I should be thinking Grambling here. Uh, I, I gotta go Grambling. I, I gotta go. That, that was my thought. I'm going Grambling here. I don't know why. Just something tells me that. Can uh, they get up twice in a row back to back? Yeah, that's the, that's the big question. That's the big question. You know, can they play at that level? But they're on a three-game winning streak, so they get they're getting used to winning. Don't they, they count Florida Memorial, man, and 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 all that other garbage. <laughs> hey, hey, man, you got to play who's there. You got to, you know. That what I'm saying that ain't gonna help on Saturday, though. No, you're probably right. Okay, neutral site game: Alabama A&M uh, and Jackson State. 
4 o'clock Eastern. That game is played in Mobile, Alabama. Hmm. Who you got, Kelvin? Tough, man. I, I like Connor and what I, I saw. It's going to be more Jackson State fans at the game than uh, A&M game, uh, fans, though. Uh, I'm going a, I'm to a go with Maynard. Reluctantly in a close. <laughs> uh, I don't trust him. There. Don't trust well, why him. Would go, why would you go with him if you don't trust him? That's crazy. I don't trust Cause him. Because his offense looked really good uh, against Skiggy. So I, I got to see it again to see if uh, that, you know, if the quarterback really, if they got it, if they got some. But I'm going to go with him because he ain't scared. That's a horrible reason. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Marcus. I'm gonna go with Jackson State. Me I think too. they're gonna pound them with the run game, and that guy, um, Irv Mulligan. Irv Mulligan. I mean, he looks good. He remember the name, Irv Mulligan. Just, I mean, in contention. I, I mean, he showed. Hey, y'all like now. Let's be honest, man. Y'all saw Bethune and Jackson State. At least I did. I, yeah. I, I watched that game, and Bethune should have won. You know. The, this, this ain't this ain't last year Jackson State now. So don't, oh no, be, it's not. Don't act like Alabama ended up going against a juggernaut. Play your clip again. You a plum fool. You a what you say there? What you say there? Boy, you you a plum fool. All right. Um, I think we're all gonna take Valley, or I'm sorry, Prairie View over Valley. Yeah, Valley on the road to Prairie View. I'm not even gonna put that down. So, yeah. Um, some other games of note. We're not gonna pick these, but I just thought I'd mention them. In the SIC, which is probably the SIC game of the week, Benedict, the number one team in many people's polls, traveling to Miles uh, over in the CIAA. Virginia State unbeaten, many people's number two ranked team. Traveling to Bowie, Bowie State, been the, uh, I mean, under the Damon Wilson area, they they were the standard in the CIAA, mm-hmm. and so if there's anything left in the tank for Bowie's season, it comes this week. North Carolina Central after the big emotional win, double overtime against Campbell. Now they got to get on the road and go prove it again against another CAA team in Elon, uh, Elon that beat up on North Carolina A and T, by the way. And then Hampton, uh, the team that I really feel like is playing like maybe the best team in black college football, they are hosting Campbell. Campbell coming off the loss uh, last week. Uh, any uh, any any game that you any, – any of those games you see an upset, Kelvin, or, or maybe a game that you really feel solid about? Campbell. Campbell what? Campbell Hampton. Okay. I, I believe they're gonna get the upset. Who? Hampton or Campbell? Campbell. I, I would imagine Hampton is the favorite. Uh should be. Should be. If not, I'll be looking to put some down on Hampton. I'm just saying. Okay, interesting. Marcus, who you got? What game you like? 
I think the intriguing one would probably be Campbell Hampton. Just because well, from an intrigue standpoint, because I don't wasn't Campbell like ranked the recruiting classes the last couple of years like top in FCS and they're they're not playing like it. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll go a long way towards establishing Hampton if, if Hampton wins towards I mean whatever I'm yeah, but it seems like the the hype that they've been getting for their recruiting classes isn't translating to FCS level success. So it'll be interesting to see. And plus, you know, Hampton's early schedule's been winning over HBCU teams, and then they got a good mm-hmm. win over what would be a, I guess it's considered a CAA, CAA um, usually one of the better programs in Richmond. Mm-hmm. We now Not Richmond has year. two L's. Yeah, two L's to HBCUs, which isn't normally the case. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We we'll see what Richmond what Richmond does the rest of the year to know whether that was a good whether whether that was a good win or just Richmond on the downside. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, bold prediction, FAMU Southern. It's a seven o'clock. Uh, wait a minute, what time is it again? It's seven, seven, Eastern. seven Eastern. Seven Eastern on ESPNU. Rattlers coming to the ball game with a ten-game SWAC winning streak. Ten-game SWAC winning streak. All kinds of winning streaks happening right now. For FAMU, seven-game SWAC road win streak, um, all kinds of goodness. Uh, so here we go, bold prediction time. All of us have one win, one, one, and one. Nobody has a second just yet. So, uh, Kelvin, since you've been going first, we'll let you start it off. What's your bold prediction for this game? The winner of this game will win on a special team score, whether that be kick return, punt return. I'm really thinking um, field goals because touchdowns are going to be hard to come by. But I, I, I'm predicting a special teams score being a difference. All right. Interesting. Okay. Marcus, what's your bold prediction hmm. I'm going to say FAMU gets two interceptions and we haven't I mean we've been I know we got fumble recovery for a TD last week and uh, pick six the week before but I don't know if we've we haven't our turnover margins in the negative so we need to turn that around I think we're going to start to turn that around in this game Oh, for the season, our turnover margins in the negative. All right. So yeah, our back four, our back four has not performed up to uh, the preseason accolade at this point. I agree. Okay, so I got Marcus down for two interceptions. I'm going with uh, Musa plus. 320 yards passing. Oof. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Bold. That's, it's got, that's the name of the that's segment. Bold. The name of the yep. segment. Got it. <laughs> All bold prediction, you know, uh, and two touchdowns. At least two touchdowns. I'm 
you know. You're gonna see. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like like Coach Simmons. That's my quarterback. I hope so. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. All right. Um That's my quarterback. We're working on uh we know many of you won't be going to Baton Rouge. Stay tuned. We got a special thing we're working on. We're trying to work on something, a watch party opportunity that you hang with us on Saturday night and watch uh, this game and then kind of be able to chat with us and all this other stuff. So it's in the works. Hopefully, once we finish off all the bells and whistles, uh, we can we can start publicizing and, and uh, taking donations, selling tickets. But that's coming up later. Just make sure you're following ONG Strike Zone, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, follow the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google Play and the Apple App Apple App Store. Oh, why can't why can't I say all that tonight? Um, and then also do us a favor: go look for the BCSN Pod Zone everywhere you listen and download podcasts. Spotify, Apple. Uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, all those fun places, so on and so forth. Any other any other promotions or anything else I forget, gentlemen? Uh you can see down in the in the uh in the scroll. Damn you by fall show. <laughs> Look, that's a bold prediction. That's what you should have said. Yeah, Remember don't be that. don't be, don't become internet Kelvin. The internet Kelvin. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, yeah, so we're working on it. You guys hang with us. Make sure you're following us on all the social media pages. There's our individual Twitter handles and such. You can always donate to the show on Facebook. Or sorry, not Facebook. YouTube. You can also hit the Cash App uh, as well. So uh, that's going to do it. Anybody got any final words or are we good to go? I uh, should be good to go. Looks like Coach uh, Wrist Press is going on a offering offering feast in New Orleans. Really? Oh. Yeah. At least like six or seven offers tonight to Edna Carr, who's a typical um, hour in New Orleans football. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, I'd be remiss if we a didn't say uh, you know, Happy Founders Day yesterday, fam you. 136 years old. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, celebrated by wearing orange and green, educated somebody like I did. I was able to educate a couple people who didn't know um, my students, educate them about Florida A&M University. And then also we got to offer our, our prayers to the community at Morgan State University. Uh, a release came out that they're homecoming because it is homecoming week. The, uh, the, the shooting that took place uh, last night. Um, I don't. I don't know if it was. I, I. I don't know if the shooter has been caught. Last time I heard, he was still at large. He's still at large. Yeah. So, and has anyone? Have there been any casualties, or has it just been people? Um, no, there weren't. There, there are five people injured. Four of whom were students. There were four males and one female, and um, the non-life-threatening in, in, injuries. Oh, well, that's good. And they canceled classes for the rest of the week in addition yeah. to homecoming. Yeah, classes are canceled this week. Homecoming, 
unfortunately, is canceled. No word on if that game that was supposed to be played. It's canceled. The game is canceled, too. So the Morgan yeah, Stoney, State. Against Stoney. Against Stoney. Yeah, home. That's tough. It is. So, uh, but but we understand, you know, bigger picture, especially with a, with a shooter still running around. Uh, they got to find that person. They got to find him. So uh, keep the keep the Morgan State community in your prayers for safety and love, and uh, we'll go from there. So that's going to do it for this show. I uh, want to thank um, our guests for coming in and uh, and joining us earlier in the show. Justin Smith, Arrington Porter of the FAMU Strikers Soccer Club. Go find them on Instagram at FAMU Strikers, S-T-R-I-K-E-R-Z is where you can find them on Instagram. You can also support them on Cash App, uh, dollar sign, FAMU Soccer is how you can support them. And then also got to thank Carlos Brown, good friend of the show, good friend of the Black Color Sports Network. We're talking about Southern University. All right, Kelvin, Marcus, appreciate you. Um, we'll talk more offline as we get ready to go into Southern Week. Got to give a happy birthday shout out to Majesty Hemingway. Her birthday's today. Um, you know, obviously, I know. Yes, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be a tough birthday. Um, her first without Kofi, um, but um, we know he's watching over his little angel, and so we send our prayers and our thoughts and our love to Majesty. And so we ask that you do the same uh, since, uh, you know, Kofi's not here to do it. Um, but we, we're, we're going to lift up majesty in our thoughts and prayers. And um, hopefully she's able to have a have a, a blessed birthday and, and feel the love from friends and family alike. So that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for watching, everybody. You guys are great. You guys are the best. We love you, Rattler Nation. Thanks for watching the show. And until we see you, make sure to be watching out for that news coming out. Hopefully, we'll see you this weekend getting ready to beat Southern and in Baton Rouge. Uh, for Kelvin, Marcus, I'm Brian Fulford. Peace out. Oh.